Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How was that for Dave Sports? Man, there was a lot going on yesterday. Started with high school football, state semifinals, Class 5A. Springville winning on a touchdown pass as time runs out. Number one ranked 5A team in the state, beating the defending champs from Warren, Orem, who've actually won four titles in a row. A couple in 4A, then a couple in 5A. And now they get beaten in the semis on a last-second touchdown pass. So now Springville will go on and play Lehigh. And then we got to the NFL football. The Dolphins beat the Ravens. What? How does that happen? How does that happen? How does a Raven defense go into the fourth quarter with three points? Excuse me, the Raven offense go into the fourth quarter with three points. Defense was doing his job. It was Miami 6-3 going into the, into the fourth. So Miami gets the win. They beat the Ravens. Miami's got four straight lousy teams coming up. I figure they'll mess up some of these games. But if they don't, they'll, they'll be back around 500. Look out. And the Ravens, man, it's now the everybody's got three or four losses in the AFC, except the Titans, who have two. And once you get past that, it's Titans on two, and they got ten teams and a big, just all clumped up, just a big old, just a, Separated by a half game, just all piled on top of each other. Who's good? Who will be good in January? I guess is who will be good enough in December to get to January, and then who will be good enough in January to advance? Good luck sorting all of this out. Maybe you like the Raiders, maybe you like the Chargers, but here come the Broncos, and the Chiefs look left for dead early, but they're back. The Raiders Chiefs game Sunday night. That's a big game. Big game. Steelers were also left to dead. Now they look like they're back. Cleveland and Cincinnati, Baltimore backing up to the pack. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, Tennessee looks good. Buffalo just lost to Miami. I wanted to take Buffalo very seriously, but now, now you can't. All right, uh, and then it was the Jazz game also. Man, we will get to the best of the Jazz postgame showing up. They just weren't good enough. And I know it wasn't refereed. Well, it was physical. The refs let it get away. Then they had the brouhaha. It wasn't a fight because there were no punches. Just a bunch of guys pushing and shoving. And four guys ejected. Jazz guys losing it. Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell making contact with referees, which you know you can't do. That's an automatic. You make contact with a referee. Boom, you're gone. And Rudy knew he was gone when he uh, when he tried to, I don't know what that was, bear hug Turner? What, what was, I don't know. But I think all of that, while it's fun, that's the sizzle. The steak, the real deal here is the Jazz just looked really lethargic for most of that game. No pep in the step, no extra hustle, getting out-rebounded. Getting dominated on the backboards. Offensive rebounds were 12-2 in the first half. That's unacceptable. You can't win playing like that. Can't certainly can't win consistently. Maybe once in a while you get away with it. The same way football teams occasionally get away with you know losing a turnover battle three nothing. Occasionally, maybe you shoot a three the three pointer really well. Although the Jazz didn't. Uh, but when you get out rebounded, you start getting out rebounded by double digits. You're gonna lose. To get out rebounded out rebounded by ten offensive rebounds in the first half. Come on, man. T.J. McConnell was out, almost out-rebounding the entire Jazz team. I mean, they made him into an all-star. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. He had a huge game. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been in the league. He's carving out a good career. Good for him. But he's a best guy on a team with a losing record. And, you know, they got a good coach, and they'll probably get better over the course of the season, but they're not good now. They're 4-8. And, and they're playing back-to-back. 
And from the start, they're playing harder than you. And they just keep playing harder than you. That's that's not good. It's just one game out of 82. I get that, but not a good performance by the Jazz. And now they have to wait and see if anyone's suspended and who's available for Miami on Saturday. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Our college football insider, Riley Jensen, is coming up next. And then the best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen is going to join us in a couple minutes here, talk a little college football, get us ready for the big weekend. We do have the question of the day coming up. Farmington Eye basketball star Colin Chandler picks BYU. How does Mark Pope keep doing it? The responses, PK, are classic. I've got epic. something that I need to say desperately. You're, you when we need get there. to say it. You got to get this off your chest. Mm-hmm. I actually All wrote right. about it. it. Should be posted later today. We're going to do that in the very next segment. Stay Sweet. tuned for oh, that. Goody. Right now, <laughs> Riley joins us. On the Smart Rain guest line, Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Hey, I got to tell you, you just said Riley joins us. So am I? Am I like a one name guy now? Like that's 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 where we're going with this because that that felt pretty good. It wasn't Riley Jensen on the the Smart Rain line. It was just Riley. Like, well, I had just said that. your name while you were on hold or talking to Yak. Oh, okay, okay. Yak. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of a second reference. So no, you're not. Oh, you're not Cher. You're not Maradona. You're not. I don't know whoever else. Right. Of course, he goes to I, soccer. I was, I was getting pretty cocky. I was getting pretty cocky. Should the Utes be getting that cocky with Arizona coming up and a lead yes. and a tiebreaker? Yes, I would love. I would love to see the Utes get a little cocky this week. No, <laughs> I think. I think they should have a healthy dose of confidence this week. I mean, the way that they played against Stanford. The way that their offensive line has started to play, with the with with the way that their quarterback seems to improve every week in different aspects of his game, I, I think you should feel really confident if you're the University of Utah right now going to Arizona. And I know Arizona's a team that finally kind of broke through there for a minute. They're probably feeling pretty confident and excited, but. The, the youth world, in my opinion, right now, as far as this game goes, and if they just play. If they just play 65% this week, I think they win. How about BYU? Should they feel confident this week? I think they should. I think <laughs> you, you should feel confident every week that you can get healed up a little bit. <laughs> I, listen, there's a, couple, there's a couple weeks here where, I mean, really, BYU has, what, three bye weeks here for a minute? They got, or no, two, two more weeks of bye. Um, Georgia Southern's not going to give them much to worry about. They get to heal up this week. Hopefully they'll get their starters off the field the week after that. And then 
you kind of try and make a statement game against USC, even though USC is not what what we remember USC as being. The sticker on the helmet is impressive, but it's it's not as impressive as a win as maybe it would have been a while ago. All right, though. So obviously we're just joking there. I had somebody that I really respect <clears throat> their knowledge, which is way more advanced than mine. Tell me, this person believes Jaron Hall is yes an NFL quarterback. What is your opinion of that? I, I certainly think that his trajectory is that way. Now, look, I also thought I also thought that Zach Wilson was an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure that I knew that he was going to be the number two pick, right? Like his his ability to develop and grow into that position was really, really impressive, especially in that last year at BYU. And I think in some ways you could make an argument that Jaron Hall's trajectory is a little bit better right now than at this point in his career of starts than what Zach Wilson's was. Um, I, I'm not positive. I'm not positive that his ceiling is higher than Zach Wilson's, but there's no question in my mind that he's an NFL-type quarterback. There's, there's no question. He has the arm. The other thing that he has is he has the athletic ability to, to keep plays alive. And, and in the NFL, they love you to stay in the pocket, and they all talk about how when guys run too much, it messes everything up. And then uh, in the underbelly of the NFL, there's all kinds of offensive coordinators that are just so glad when somebody bells them out of a bad play. <laughs> that, they, that they love a guy that can run like Jaron can. And the, the discipline that I like about Jaron and the thing that I love about Jaron Hall is my criticism of him when he was in high school was that he would turn, he would turn football games into what I call backyard football games. So he would, he would run around back there. He would change all the rules because he was the best athlete on the field and then he could just throw it to wherever because it was like playing in the backyard. It wasn't, you know, one, two, three, stick your foot in the ground and throw a slant on third and four to get you a first down. Or it wasn't this disciplined football that the quarterback position demands uh, on the next levels, right? And I think it's a credit to Aaron Roderick again. And I know that I've been, like, over the top in my credit for him. But, I mean, we're now talking about the second quarterback in a row where I'm seeing major growth in the progression of of talented quarterbacks who were talented when they came in but needed certain amounts of discipline to, to get better, and I'm seeing it with Jaron Hall. I mean, as athletic as he is, he stays in the pocket. He makes the right reads. He's cool, calm, and collected. I mean, really, he's got everything that you want out of, a, out of an NFL quarterback. How high or how low that goes, I think, depends on how much longer he stays. I, I think it would be a little bit foolish to leave – after this year, but I think he probably could. And then I think if he has another, if he has, a, if he puts together another year next year like he has this year, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that he goes into the NFL really, really confident and and willing and ready to compete for a spot. You say he shouldn't go, but if you've got a history of injury and uh, it's a violent sport, when in doubt, should players go? Yes, but I but I think if he were to go this year, you're talking about sixth round, seventh round, free agent type thing. Where I think if he put another year together like that, you're talking about fourth round, third round, second round type guy. Um, right. In, in my opinion. So at that point, then, so, if Hall is an NFL quarterback, Wilson was a NFL quarterback. Hill 
hasn't been a starter big time, but at least he's played the NFL. You got three of the last four guys going in the NFL. How much he sends that a message to recruits, particularly as you're going in the Big 12? Come here, man. Play for a couple years. We'll make you some money. Look, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt that when I was growing up, quarterback, you know, quarterback U was BYU, right? And now you start stringing together three out of the last four. You start watching it on national TV. Taysom Hill comes in and, and, and runs some sort of a spread option type of thing. And they're like, and Taysom Hill out of BYU. And, and then they say, and Zach Wilson out of BYU. And then you get Jaron Hall in there. And they're like, Jaron Hall out of BYU. Yeah, it, it starts to change the momentum. And I think it's important, just the point that you brought up, one of the things that's going to help BYU to really become like QBU again is the fact that they're in the Big 12. I, I know for a fact that there's a certain recruit that that, that that had a big deal to do with where he decided to go. And he's now committed to BYU, and he's, he's all in. But if there was any question mark, it was about that scheduling. It was about that conference. And I think... I think you're seeing a whole slew of guys that are that are in the portal that are transferring back and going, God, BYU's not a bad place to play because I'm in the Big 12. You know, if you look through the history of the Big 12 and all the guys that go to the NFL because they compete at the Big 12 level, all the guys, you know, in the Pac-12, it's giving guys that are local some really, really good options. And if they get on the field and play for BYU or Utah and they play well, they have a chance to go to the NFL – and it's just the way it is, right? Like, the majority of NFL players go to P5 conferences. And, yes, there's pro players from Utah State that are in a G5 conference, and they've done a really, really nice job. But the percentages are better if you're in a Big 12 conference, you're in a Pac-12 conference, you're in the SEC, you're in the ACC. I mean, I, when I coached at North Carolina State, there was guys that went and got drafted in the NFL who I didn't think were as good as guys that played with me at Utah State or that I played against in the Mountain West Conference. But when when NFL guys are looking at the film and they're seeing their competition, their, their judgment of what they can do on the next level is that he can do it. If he can succeed on this level, he can succeed on the next level. So it's interesting, when the youth went to the Pac-12, we saw a lot of Pac-12 schools adjusting, come in here and start recruiting and taking players. Now, with BYU going to the Big 12, do you think we're going to see the Big 12 adjust and start coming into Utah and taking players? Or do you think this? Uh, we've seen a few guys transfer back in here. Do you think the coaches will, local coaches will get the upper hand here saying, well, look at these guys who are leaving or transferring and transferring back. Why, why don't you just stay in the first place? Well, I think I... I... I, I think the answer is yes to both of those questions. You, you are going, there's no question we're going to see Big 12 schools come in because BYU isn't going to be a bottom dweller. They, they, it's going to take them a minute to be up near the top or, or in a Utah equivalent situation in the Big 12. But they're going to see some toughness. They're going to see some players. That, and they're going to go, dude, where is that guy from? And they're going to see he's from Provo, Utah. And they're like, dude, why, why aren't we recruiting Utah? You know, and there's going to be guys that come in, but I think this all bodes well for you know this influx of guys that are transferring back to BYU, they're transferring back to Utah, and guys are transferring into Utah State. I think it bodes well for local coaches as well. Like, yeah, come on in, guys, but we've we've got a track record that says when our guys leave and go to your big schools, they all want to come back, and they're going to want to come back 
it's going to be a little bit easier to come back if it's a Big 12 or a Pac-12 team, right? It's, it's just a little bit easier because, yeah, you're you're changing from, like, maybe the school of your dreams, and then you got there and it wasn't everything that you thought it was going to be. And then when you shift down, you're still shifting to a really good place. So I, I think the answer is yes. I think local coaches will have a, a little bit of a story to tell that's going to help local players to pause before they go to LSU, before they go to, you know, wherever they're getting recruited. And and I think also there's going to be more Big 12 teams that come in here when they see the toughness. Because, look, Utah has always been a place where you can get, you know, milk and potatoes. Like, they've always thought, like, man, we can go there, we can get linemen, we can get fullbacks, we can get tight ends, we can get linebackers, right? They haven't necessarily come here for speed, but there's also guys all over the place right now even changing that narrative with Simi Fajoko, you know, out of Brighton High School going to the NFL and Stanford. And then you got guys like Cody Hagan that are getting recruited by everybody in the country. They're starting to realize that even the skill positions here are, are really good. And I think Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart have done local quarterbacks here a real favor by playing well on, on the next level and then going to the NFL. And, you know, Jackson, I think Jackson will have his shots to go to the NFL, but the better these guys that are in skill positions play, the better opportunities they're going to have that 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 young players here in the state are going to have to play at, at big schools, in, in big-time situations, at the local schools as great players, and then really a chance to play in the NFL. I heard one line of thinking that uh, the free transfer actually might hurt some of the you know pretty good programs, and it might aid the top level programs because the thought of uh, well, let's see if I can go make it there. You know, the old New York, New York. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. So I'll go to these high powered places, and if I make it there, well, gosh, then I'm on my way. If I don't, well, then I can transfer and not miss a beat. I can come back, and so maybe it doesn't help to get these kids now that BYU is uh, rising up their profile that'll still be as hard if not harder because of this free transfer rule that they go to fill in the blank superpower and if it doesn't work well then I can come back well I think what it opens up the door to is is like okay so Cameron Latu goes to Alabama right and he's playing really well for them right now he's playing tight end he's an example of if I can make it here I can make it anywhere right yeah but but if he doesn't and he wants to come home in two years, you think BYU doesn't want an, an athletic well, tight sure. end yeah, like Cameron yeah. Latu? Right. Years. So I think, I think it benefits BYU. And I think Utah State's shown that it can benefit a small school. I think, I think what this is going to be is it's just the ability of coaches to understand what the transfer portal is, the ability of coaches to hustle and to have still had relationships with those guys. Now, I'll tell you an example, and I can't remember the exact player, but there was a player that I was at the All-Poly camp, and he was at USC, and he'd come back to the All-Poly camp and was saying hi, and Matt Wells called him over, and he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? And the kid came over, and he lit up like a Christmas tree. You know what I mean? And the, the kid was talking to Matt Wells. You could tell that they had a great relationship and blah, blah, blah. And um, the kid, the kid leaves, and Matt Wells turns to me and he goes, "You never know, right? You never know." You know what I mean? And I and I think that's what you're going to see a lot of, right? Like you're going to see that these guys are continuing to recruit. Now, 
you could say is Matt Wells' influence. He didn't say anything inappropriate other than he was just really enjoying a kid that he recruited and, and he was being nice. You could, you could say whatever you want, but that's going to happen all over the place now because you never know. You never know that a guy that you lose to another team isn't going to be unhappy in two years and he's going to remember how well you treated him in the recruiting process and he's going to want to come back to you. And so I think, I actually think that this whole, that this whole thing puts even more pressure on, on college coaches to always be recruiting. Like they can never stop recruiting. Never, never stop recruiting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did early on with DJ like 25 years ago. I was really nice to him because I thought he could be a nice assistant to me to work on the radio. And I thought, okay, I'll be nice well, to I him think, then. And it I worked. Think what's really, I think what's really astute about you and just really forward thinking and progressive about you is that you understood that your individual accolades were going to happen by having a great team around you, right? And so you understood that from an early time. And, you know, it's very clear. It's very clear that you recruited DJ. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, even DJ is, you know, in a quiet moment, has just told me how grateful he is to you for all the, you know, all those things that you've done. He, he's an excellent to, role to, player. To bring him into the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a high level Sorry, role DJ, player. DJ, I didn't mean to talk about you like you weren't there, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> So BYU has a bye. The Utes have a, a 24, they're 24 point favorites over Arizona. So if there's any drama this week, it's your Aggies playing 5-5 five and five San Jose State. Can they beat the Spartans? It looks like the biggest hurdle on the way to winning the division and going to the conference title game. I suppose they could slip up on one of the other two, but on paper this one looks harder. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, this this Utah State team is is not a team that's like easier on your heart. I mean, you go to UNLV, you get way down, you come back, and you have a, a pretty big win against a team that's a, a bottom dweller in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, certainly anything is possible. One of the things that I've been noticing about Utah State right now is the timeliness of the defensive plays, and then I'm seeing and 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 I. If, if I can just talk about this for a second, Logan Bonner is becoming more confident, and I think it's a direct, it's a direct impact of the play of Tompkins at wide receiver. And here, here's what I mean. And Tompkins is like 29 receptions and 219 yards away from breaking Kevin Curtis's record for single season. I mean, there's like four games left for him. I, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that he doesn't break both of those records. But when you play with a great player, and I played with Kevin Curtis at Snow College. I didn't play with him at Utah State, even though we both played at Utah State. Um, Devin Tompkins has this huge catching radius. And so when you throw the ball up to Devin Tompkins, it's, it's interesting because in the beginning you're throwing it up to him and he's making all these amazing catches for you. And then what happens is a quarterback is it takes all the pressure off of throwing to him. And so all of a sudden, because there's no pressure to put it in, uh, on a dime to him, you start throwing dimes, and he doesn't have to make those great catches for you because you know that he can make these other catches. And I'm just seeing a real, like, just a real energy. It, it is really tough to stop him offensively. Um, he's, I mean, he has like five or six games this year, over 170 yards. He's electric. When, and, and, and look, if you're a BYU fan and a, U, and a Utah fan, you haven't had a chance to watch a game. Like, you should just tune in for a couple minutes this Saturday night to watch him because he's really electric. He's really fun to watch. The Utah State's offense is as fun as I've seen it since they started going back to bowl games year after year after year under Gary Anderson the first time. 
this offense is really fun to watch. It's a team that's really fun to watch. Um, you know, Rice on the defense, he seems to make timely plays. The defense makes timely plays. And it's just a, it's a really fun story. It's a really fun team to watch right now. And I'm, I'm certainly hoping, I mean, I know we argued before, you know, that our expectations shouldn't be eight. That this is all gravy that we're in a bowl game. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting to fall into like what you were saying to me before, PK, where like, yeah, I have high expectations. I want 10 wins. I want 10 wins. And then if we lose in the championship game, that's great. And then we go to a bowl game, we get 11 wins. I mean, how awesome would that be? That, that's, uh, that's what I want. Uh, now I'll be disappointed if that doesn't happen. I will be disappointed. Okay. We can live with that. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Well, most of it, except for the part where you talked like I wasn't there. But other than that, we appreciate it. <laughs> but, but we all know the truth, right, DJ? We know the truth. The truth is out there, and the truth shall set you free. And I need one more cliche about truth because yeah, threes is uh, is a literary thing. You got the rule of three. Riley, we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for having me on. There's our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show. What went wrong, and what was that that scuffle, fight, brouhaha, kerfuffle, whatever the heck that thing was with four minutes left? What was that all about? We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz lose to the Indiana Pacers. That shouldn't happen. The Jazz should be the better team. The Pacers were going back-to-back, but the Jazz never looked like they had it. Gave up way too many points in the first quarter, way too many in the first half, too many offensive rebounds. It just it was not nearly good enough. 60 points they allowed at halftime, and sure enough, they get beat. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's time for your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz lost last night to the Indiana Pacers, 111-100. to Jake Scott, of course, with you. Uh, big story of the night, ejections. Uh, Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner got uh, tied up in the fourth quarter. Those two got ejected. Joe Ingles came out of nowhere, made contact with referee Ed Malloy. He was ejected. Donovan Mitchell continued to be fired up. Uh, there appeared to be some contact between Donovan and an official as well, although in the pool report at the end of the game, they said uh, the, they did not indicate that that happened, so uh, said that Donovan got ejected for escalating things, but nonetheless, Donovan Mitchell ejected as well. But uh, that was basically after the game was over. Jazz struggled. The Pacers were certainly the more physical team. Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell's 26 points. Rudy was with 19 and 11 for the Pacers. Malcolm Brogdon had 30. TJ McConnell with 21 coming in, 21 coming in off the bench. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I guess we'll- before the uh, scrimmage that happened before, um, what do you? What were the problems that you saw leading to you guys being down and actually having to try to fight out? Well, I, th- I think defensively, there was just you know there was breakdowns in a lot of different areas. Um, it's hard to identify any one thing. 
Um, you know, at halftime, their points in transition and their offensive rebounds, just possessions. Um, and I thought at times, particularly when we turn the ball over, you know, it's, it's really difficult for us to defend um, against turnovers or miss shots at the rim. So I, I thought, you know, those things in combination defensively, and that was the primary thing, you know, and I thought that continued where they, you know, they were able to get in the paint against us, put pressure on the rim. That wasn't just our guards. That was breakdowns in a lot of different, different areas. What did you uh, see from that altercation? I couldn't see um, what initially transpired, um, you know, with Rudy and Miles Turner. Um, you know, obviously any, any time that your teammate gets um, tangled up like that and you see people on the floor, you're going to react. And, you know, you're going to react emotionally. And... Um, you know, have your teammates back, you know, so it goes, it goes from there. I think that's not, you know, not atypical of, of many situations when you, you recognize that from there, there was obviously a lot of emotion, and, um, you know, it escalated. Some frustration here from, from you guys today. I mean, we weren't playing well. I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, we were competing, and, you know, had a chance to cut it a few times. And, um, I don't think it was frustration as much as it was, you know, trying to support a teammate when you see him, you know, on the ground and not, no, I don't, I, I you know, I'm sure some of the players may have seen what happened, but I, I couldn't see why they went down. You know, I know Joe ran down, um, you know, I think he, you know, he saw it bumped into Ed Malloy. Um, and I thought Ed handled that like he, like that's, you know, that's a pro ref, you know, they just tried to break it up. You know, that could have been a, you know, it wasn't, I think that's why Joe got kicked out is what I'm saying. And I don't, I, I didn't see that as something just watching the film that Joe was trying to, you know, do anything with Ed and Ed, I think Ed handled it that way as well. But I understand you make contact with the official. That's the result. <clears throat> You did approach them as they were kind of watching replays and then afterwards kind of pointing at the Yeah, I mean, I was trying to figure out why Donovan, Donovan got ejected. You know, I mean, he, you know, I understand he's emotional, but he didn't, you know, there was nothing that he did other than, you know, he didn't calm down soon enough. Um, so I didn't understand that. Emotion. Is it just, you know, everything going on today already, just with the pregame press conference and just everyone busy, you know, players, they've both talked about Joe and Don that that was emotional for them as well. How tough is it to, you know, come out here and do your job when there's so many other things in society going on that you feel personally? I, I you know, I think everything that, you know, the, the comments and the thoughts and, um, you know, support of, of you know, that guys expressed previous to the game um, were, you know, heartfelt, sincere, and, and certainly um, deeply felt to, to jump to, you know, that playing itself out in, in a game. I, you know, I couldn't say, um, you know, I feel like our guys typically have, you know, compartmentalized certain things once the game starts. And so I, I, 
you know, I can't say specifically that would be something you'd have to you know, ask one. It wouldn't surprise me if there's, you know, emotion. Um, obviously it's, it's a tragic incident, but I, I wouldn't myself link, link that to, you know, the game and our performance and things like that. There's jazz head coach Quinn Snyder talking about the ejections, but also uh, grumpy with uh, the way his team played defense. Let's get on to the players. Uh, let's hear from Donovan Mitchell. You told why you were uh, nope. I said, I don't know. You know, I, 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 the, the scruff, whatever you want to call that is what it is. You know, it's really at a point now where the referees are allowing, especially like tonight, like the referees are allowing this to, to get out of hand. Like, you know, we're playing through contact and you know, we're competitors, like both teams, you know, you play through contact, you do whatever, but at some point it's continuing to build. You can sense that, you know what I mean? And it's like, like you got to draw the line early, you know what I mean? Otherwise you're going to get situations like that where we're, you know, we feel like we're in a situation where we could possibly come back and then you eject three, you know, three key guys, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, have this energy in the, in the first quarter, like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's inconsistent, you know, with the, with the, officiating as far as, you know, the contact, like, you know, what's good, what's not good playing through things. And then it's built up frustration for us. And, you know, and it goes both ways. You know what I mean? Like that's really where I'm at, like mentally, you know, being able to play through contact, you know, I, I work on that all the time, but it's like, you know, the point where guys can't finish the role or, or guys are getting hit on screens or guys feel like there's contact, you know, it alters shots, it alters different things, there's turnovers. And, you know, I haven't really said much all year about it, but it's like tonight, you know, the tonight it showed, you know, and you, you, if you establish the ground early and understand like this is where we're calling things, you know, then we don't get to this point. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's what it is for me. You know, like whatever on the, the other, you know, I'm getting fouled, guys are getting fouled and then you start hitting people and it goes back and forth. And then you get to a point where it's like this, like that shouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Like that should have been taken care of in the first quarter, you know, draw the line early. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just built up frustration. That's all that is. Ain't nothing else. It's just built up frustration. So, yeah. Is that frustrating on the calls? Is it frustration like game to game and then also like within one game? Right. You know, and I'm not, I I will say this. I'm not going to put the fact that we lost the game on that solely. We did a lot of things that we, you know, we could fix. We got, we have a rebound. There's a lot of things that we didn't do correct. So like, I don't want that to distract from things that we have to work on as a group. But I will say there are times where we feel like, you know, we're not getting calls or certain things. It's, it's, it's from game to game, you know what I mean? But tonight, especially it stands out to me because it's like that could have been taken care of in the first half, you know, and then to have the answer be, Oh yeah, you did get fouled. Well, what does that do for me at the halftime? What does that do for me in the third quarter? What does that do for me in possession after I turned it over and they hit a three? You know what I mean, it doesn't do anything for us. You know, it's like, yeah, you were right. Okay. Like that's an easy way out. And at some point, you know, we're getting held accountable for our actions. Rightfully so. That's cool. But at the same token, they got to as well, you know, and I feel like that's, that for me is, is and for a lot of us, you know, um, this is just where the frustration lies. Um, I know I'm not the only one that feels this way, but yeah. Are you guys, are you, are you as, as, as players uh, feeling uh, the effects of the sharp contrast from the way the league has been calling games to the way the league is calling games right now? Um, or is there a sharp contrast? Like I said, it varies, but like, you know, you just got to be able to adapt to it, but it's, 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 I wouldn't 
put that on why we're not shooting well or shooting beside our assist numbers are down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it solely on that. Like, you know, we have strong guys, tough guys who continue. Like we play, we, we work out and we work out and <clears throat> put ourselves in situations. So we're ready to play through contact, but I'm not going to put all that on the changing of the calls. You know, I, I don't think that's, you know, we've at the end of the day, what were we eight and four? Like, you know, we, we won games, you know, doing that. So it's not about that for us. I think just the consistency is the one thing I will say, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that just, goes uncalled and then it ends up like this, you know, um, that, that could have been avoided. That's my biggest thing. Like that whole thing could have been avoided, you know, if things were, you know, whether it's called on us or called on them, I'm not at, you know what I mean? Like just, just draw the line early for quick game to game, game to game, quarter to quarter. And then you get to a fourth where we're making a push or whatever. And there the bigs are battling and then, you know, you get that. So. You were pretty boisterous in defending Rudy there. And you know, getting held back, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Was there something that was said or was there something that, you know, was it just the fight between the two? Or no, I mean, honestly, I didn't even see what really happened. I just, you know, I know Miles, I know Rudy. You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, what? what are we, like, you know what I mean? And like, what are we doing? And I, that's where I got mad at. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, I'm going to always stick up for my teammates. That's, that's not going to change, you know, and I just got in a sense because it's like, like I said, a lot of that could have been important. It's just built up frustration, you know, and, that's a situation where I just let out, you know, um, I don't, reg- <clears throat> I don't regret doing it. You know, I think it kind of set a tone where it's like, okay, we got, we got hit in the, in, in the face, you know, with, with this game with, before all that happened, they were doing things where I think they had more, as many offensive rebounds as we had uh, defensive rebounds, you know, like we were doing so many things, you know, not the right way. And, and, and we did, we could have done a lot of things that prevented that. But, you know, when I say that, I mean the, the rebounds, um, so for me, it was a lot of, a lot of different things that just built up and, you know, I'm just going to have my teammates back, you know, so that's what it is. It seemed like you maybe had someone kind of specifically you were looking at as the altercation unfolds. No. Is that correct? No. <laughs> Clint talked about the emotions, you know, just being in general. For you, I mean, just what's it like to have to go and compartmentalize you know, the game and get ready to play a game when there's so many other social things going on that you spoke about very, very real, very genuine about? Um, I can only speak for myself. You know, when I say this, I don't think it's that difficult for me. You know, I'm able to do, able to do that. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm blessed that I have that ability. You know, not everybody has that. Not speaking for my teammates or guys around the league, like not everybody's able to do that. You know, it's just, the way we are. So for me, I, I'm, I think it's, you know, tonight you play for Izzy, you know, you have that emotion, you know, for Izzy, this, this, I'm not going to say that's why I, I did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, like you, you put your heart and soul into that, especially for, uh, for situations like that. I think it makes you go even harder, you know, because at the end of the day, you realize, you know, the impact you have playing this game, you have the impact you have, like I tell you, with the, with the platform I have and we have as a group. So, you know, if anything, it's motivating. It's, 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 it's what we did in the bubble. You know, we did that in the bubble. It's really what kind of, you know, propelled us as a, as a league, not even just myself or as a team, it propelled us as a, as a league to keep on going. Maybe when we stopped, we kept going because of that, because we felt like we can, you know, do things. So even to go out there and play a game, and I don't think it really, you know, affects it's, it's it wears on you when you're off the floor. Cause it's like, man, like this is something that, you know, is is, and I told y'all this morning. It's like it's 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 unbelievable. You know, off the floor, but you know, once I get on the court, you know, it's kind of like that always been my escape in in my life. You know, it's kind of where I've always gone to. So once I get on the court, it's 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 time to to go. Indiana had a lot of success tonight, getting to the rim, grabbing offensive rebounds. Are those 
problem area this one, or are they just things you need to clean up? Yeah, we just didn't play well. Like we've guarded, we've guarded guys <clears throat> really well, and we all of us as a group we just didn't guard necessarily well. You know, when we even when we did, we gave up another rebound and then they would score, you know? So it's hard to play 24, 22 seconds of great defense. They get a rebound and then do it again. And then on top of that, not make shots. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot of compounding things and we just didn't, we didn't execute well. And <clears throat> our offense got stagnant a little bit in certain instances that we can fix. But, you know, if we, like I said, I don't want the the scuffle or whatever to get involved. Like we did a lot of things that we can fix. We, we, we put ourselves in a, down 10, down 12 position, you know, and we're going to go look at the film and get ready because Miami's not going to be any easier. It's going to be physical. And we got to be ready for that. Obviously, most of all, tough moment, but I did notice that, you know, the fans are cheering. You took a quick peek and looked at the top screen and, you know, you were right there, gave a little slight smile. What's it like to have just the support of that fan base? Yeah. Always? Um, I didn't know what happened, why they were smiling. So I kind of looked up to see what they were, yeah. were going at. You know, for me, it's it's always great to have support, you know, in, in situations like that. They went wild when they saw Rudy, you know, rightfully so. He stuck up for himself. We stuck up for him. And, you know, it's great that when the fans have our back and, you know, we're always going to continue to have each other's back. You know, that's why we play so hard, you know, for each other, for this crowd and for this organization. So, um it's easy to go out there and lay it on, on the line every day, even when you're dead tired. And that, that energy, the loud, how loud it got was like a playoff atmosphere. So it's just one of those things where it's like, man, even when it's not sold out, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's passion. There's so many different things behind it. And we, we definitely as players appreciate it. There is Donovan Mitchell uh, talking about how he's going to have his teams back, his teammates back. And he certainly did uh, last night when that uh, scuffle broke out in the fourth quarter. Let's now hear from Royce O'Neal. I see you were pretty upset with the ejections or the referee or something there. Tell, I guess, tell us what it was. I mean, of course. I mean, we had what three people get ejected, and they only had one. I mean, I still understand why Donovan got ejected, but and then some of the calls, you know, I feel like it's were not going our way. So it happens. Not too much, but I think you know from the jump things got to you know, be settled out before they escalate to get that point. So, After the ejections, uh, it seemed like you were still pretty fired up. Did you feel like things weren't still settled that on the court from whether it's from the officials or from the other players, you could feel like those next couple possessions were still? I mean, since the tension that was still there, I mean, everybody was frustrated. I mean, so, I mean, for sure. What was your perspective of the scuffle and what, what did you see? What happened? Uh, I mean, I, I was at the other end and, and, you know, I ran down there, you know, stuck up for all my teammates. And that's what, you know, we all did at the end of the day. So, I mean, we all got each other's back and that's all that matters. There is Royce O'Neal. Let's wrap up the player sound by hearing from Rudy Gobert. As upset as you were, what made you stop short of actually throwing a punch? <laughs> You know, when you, first of all, like, we know we ain't going to fight. So, like, guys need to stop acting like they're going to fight because they know that in two seconds there's going to be 20 security guards uh, in between us. And they know that, okay, it's cool for the cameras, but they know we aren't going to fight. So, like, guys that are not about, about their life need to stop acting like they are because at some point, like, you know, we, at some point we might have to, like, I might have to stand up for myself if, you know, if also if the officials keep doing the, what they've been doing over this season, you know, like I'm, 
they allow guys to do way too much. I keep my head cool because I, you know, I have a lot of self-control. Like I do a lot of, <clears throat> it's actually funny because my boxing coach was at the game <laughs> and that's the only time in a year that he came to the game. So it, it just, it's funny, but you know, they teach you how to keep your calm and if I don't feel threatened, I'm not going to, you know, throw a punch and get suspended and hurt my team, you know? So it's, uh, uh I didn't feel no threat at all. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to fight on the basketball court. Uh, but if somebody want to fight, I'm easy to reach, you know, uh, I'm really easy to reach. So I'm just not going to do it on social media or like, you know, if anyone got a problem, uh, Instagram, Twitter, WhatsApp, easy. So I do want to ask, you know, obviously, <clears throat> amidst when it's kind of all wrapped up and stuff like that, the crowd started going nuts. Then, you know, you kind of looked up and you saw yourself on the big screen. What's it you like to get that kind of reaction from the crowd? Just knowing, you know, <clears throat> they're in the corner with the crowd. I mean, uh, the, the crowd, I mean, crowd love that. You know, they love when, uh, you know, it's, something more than just basketball happening. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling to know that, to feel that, you know, they have my back and, uh, but you know, now, yeah, nothing, like nothing's going to happen. So let's stop acting like you're going to do something. Cause if it's just me and you in the room, you ain't going to do nothing. So yeah, guy, too many guys, you know, it's been every game, like guys try to, do it for the cameras and you know and 20 years ago they, they would let you fight a little more and uh now like we i can't put myself in a position when <clears throat> you know i'm i'm hurting my team and uh especially for some guys that you know uh yeah like i got more more to lose you know so i gotta be smarter and <clears throat> i gotta stand up for myself though but i gotta be smarter do you have any expectation about whether you might be suspended for any additional game? I don't think I should. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do anything. We, it was a technical foul. I mean, uh, I just grabbed him, made sure that couldn't do anything else and, uh, and waited for the, you know, wait to see what was going to happen. Were you surprised that, that Joe and Donovan also got ejected? <laughs> I was surprised when I heard it, but but then when I watched the video and I saw what happened, I mean, um, but yeah, we just basketball, man. We just have to play basketball, and now guys need to stop acting like they're gonna do more than than play basketball. You know, that's it. And if they do want to do more, like let's do it outside the court and uh, without security and, you know, and as men and then we figure it out. But on the court, like, <clears throat> you know, I mean, we, ain't nobody going to do, let's stop acting like, you know, we about that life when most guys are not. What was, uh, Donovan made the point that he didn't want the skirmish to kind of become, to get <clears throat> all the attention because there were problems with the game Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we, our physicality, you know, we, yeah, we let them get way too many offensive rebounds. Um, you know, they were, they were the more aggressive team tonight and, uh, we made, uh, we made some runs, but, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get the stops we needed and, uh, 
you know, we got to bounce back, you know, Saturday and uh, just keep getting better. You know, it's, it's a long season. Uh, you know, keep trusting one another, keep playing as a team. Uh, I'm going to watch film and see what we can do better. There's Rudy Gobert talking a lot about uh, the fricas. Rudy, not hard to find, he says, if uh, players want to get into it off the floor where security isn't. So there's Rudy. Obviously, the scuffle uh, took up a lot of the conversation, but the Jazz did lose to the Pacers 111-100. to Up next for the Jazz, they take on the Heat uh, coming up tomorrow afternoon. That game will tip off at 3 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 2. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Brogdon from the foul line, got the bounce off the front of the rim, down the left side, Brogdon off the glass, right hand score to foul. Rudy rolls, catches at the rim, Turner blocked it from behind, the NBA's shot blocking leader, McConnell, through the it's Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner in a fight, Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner in a fight, they're tied up wrestling, they've been divided by security, security is sprinted over to the side. Turner blocked Gobert and they went down. Turner felt as though Rudy had caught him or pulled him down. And then after that, and Donovan is hot. Donovan is being held back by security and blocked by two officials. <laughs> and the Jazz end up losing to the Pacers 111-100. Didn't hear David Locke chanting, say the crowd is chanting TKO. He was on top of it. So much I want to say. <laughs> it's just tons. Well, we have got several hours to get to everything you want to say. Malcolm Brogdon scores 30. Three Jazz players get ejected. Turner got ejected, too. Mitchell and Ingles got ejected for bumping or pushing referees. Gobert and Turner get kicked out. Shoving in the Shoving. Joe. Joe. Joe had a 70-foot run-up to it. The Jazz end up getting beat by the Pacers 111-100. They have now lost three of their last four games after a 7-1 start, and they used one of the five home mulligans you are willing to permit them on their way to what you hoped would be, expected would be, thought could be, a 36-5 home record. A disappointing loss, no other way Big around Big time, absolutely. Yeah. Underline it and put an exclamation point after that statement. And, and all this talk of the refereeing. Those those dastardly refs allowed T.J. O'Connell to get five offensive rebounds. Boom! Those refs caused the Jazz to shoot 56% from the free throw line. The scuffle's fun to talk about, but with four minutes left in the game, they had already had a solid, does the math on the radio, 44 minutes of problems. And so the game is getting physical and it's not being called. Mm-hmm. Bill Lambert would like a word with you. <laughs> Bill Lambert. Um, Robert Parrish would like a word with you. Michael Jordan got the crap beat out of him on the way to winning titles. And we're talking about this stuff? Fights slash scuffles slash pushing contests are fun. And if Mitchell is so upset about the refs, why is he going after the Pacers? Because he was upset at the Pacers. But you need to go back and look at all those rebounding numbers, including that TJ uh, rebounding number you were just talking about, because that's a major problem. Second chance points, you're outscored 22 to 11, and it's the refs' fault? No. 
What am I missing? If you're going to be the team you want to be, the team you talk about being, the team you hope you be, the team the front office wants you to be, the team the fans want you to be, you've got to rebound much, much better than you rebounded in that game. I would like Jordan to have a computer and have the... Oh, you want to see his reaction? Yeah. When he looks at the tablet, he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and and he, the hmm. stuff that he went through and the stuff that these guys are going no. through. Nope, 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 no. He's not going to want to hear that. Young fellows, I'd like to have a word with you. Not, not going to want to... I come on to hear that. Just pull up YouTube and look at some old. I mean, I know you guys think you're the center of the universe here, but come on. Got to rebound. Got to rebound. Got to rebound. Too many second chance points. Too many more possessions for the Pacers, and that's why they win 111-100. Jazz off today. Some of the Jazz players, possibly not all of them, will be playing the Miami Heat Saturday afternoon. We'll have to wait and see what the league says. Later today, as far as further suspensions for any of these guys, or not. Suspend them. You don't think so? This is entertainment. People paying big money to see these guys Mm -hmm. play. I would be just furious if I bought a ticket to this Saturday's game. And Gobert didn't play? Oh, I was thinking of Mitchell, but Gobert, fine. Yeah, come on. I think Mitchell has the least to worry about of the three. I don't think any of them had anything to worry about. No punches were thrown. They make a big deal. And why do we have to have 87 security run out there like it's a life and death situation? Are those guys actually helping or are they inflaming? So the players don't throw punches. Yeah, but they already know because Gobert, if he wanted to throw a punch, he could have thrown a punch. It just seems like all those people running out there because then I got every assistant coach runs out. Yep. Right? And then I got every, so I got 10 guys out on the court of the players. And, and the number of people on the court looked like it got to 25 or 30 pretty quickly. Do we really need all that? Yes! Fight! I mean, I know these, these guys are living for that, and that's their big moment in the sun. I'm sure they'd prefer not to have it, but do we... You don't know who's touching you and grabbing you. I don't want anybody touching me. At least somebody who I don't know. That's got to be a concern, I agree. And they all just... And, and, and they and run out there? Yeah. I mean, I realize they're charged with a job, so I'm not criticizing what they're doing because that's their job. But take a look about uh, at it. Is it the right thing to do? Do we need 10 guys of security? I mean, yeah, we do in, to keep the crowd in order. But when this stuff breaks out, do we need it? Because these guys know don't throw punches. They do know that. And it was really clear from Rudy Gobert's postgame remarks that he knew that. You know, he said no security. You can, you can get me on social media. I'm available. Yeah, I think that he's they should a, be. He's the, got a boxing coach. He wouldn't mind going. Darren Williams go. and Frank Gore. This is the undercard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right? Set it up. Yeah, let's go. Good uh, offseason money. In I that. would like Miles Turner to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Turner and Gobert. <laughs> That'd be great for the league. People would watch. Do it something where they can't control you. Remember when Carl Malone did the wrestling thing? I the old pay-per-view? People will watch that. Big time. We ran the highlights on... The highlights. Uh, the video of that on uh, Talking Sports, and it was stunning how many people tuned in to see that, and as soon as it was well, done, they were gone. And I'm surprised that you then hadn't realized when you went up to Rice Eccles and saw that wrestling could make you money that you're not a wrestling commentator. True story. <laughs> it's not that many opportunities. It's an in-house gig. Jazz and Heat tomorrow at 3 o'clock, pregame show at 2, here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. 
crosses him over, beats him into the lane, kicks it with a Van Vliet for three in front of the Philly bench. Yes, sir! Right in front of the Sixer bench, knocks it down, puts the Raptors up by four. That's some serious onions from Fred Van Vliet. Got it out to Duncan for the three. It's missed. Offensive rebound by Bam. He puts it right back. The rebound. Pinballs in the hands of George. He fires the four-side corner three. And bottom. Paul George buries a triple. Highlights from the NBA. The Clippers beat the Heat 112-109. Paul George, 27 points. Bam Adebayo with uh, huge numbers in that game. Finishes with 30 points and 11 rebounds. Well, somebody's got to get it when you got other guys out. And Jimmy Butler is out. Will Jimmy Butler still be out for the Jazz tomorrow? Uh, see, I would be ticked if I bought tickets and Jimmy Butler doesn't play. But if he's got an ankle injury, that's one thing. You know, that's a, entirely different. I, I really hope the league just says, guys, don't do this again. Also, you heard Fred Van Vliet, the three that rattled around, almost popped out, but then settled back in the net. And the Raptors beat the Sixers 115-109. to And Philly still playing without Embiid. And they didn't get a... Didn't get a big night from the Yang shooting the ball, so there you go. Bulls center Nikola Vucevic has uh, tested positive for COVID and entered the NBA's health and safety protocols on Thursday. Two negative tests in a 24-hour period. He can be back or he'll be out 10 days. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. 1.7 seconds. Now back to Tattersall, looking for the open man. Mormon takes it. Mormon with a dribble, a fire from beyond. It's good. J.P. Mormon fires it from beyond the half-court line, and it's in. And the Highlanders upset the Sun Devils here in Tempe on a Hail Mary from deep. J.P. Mormon the second is tonight's hero if this call stands. It stands. As a 65-70-footer, and UC Riverside wins at Arizona State, 66-65. Oh, cheap you-know-what. They can't send the guy on the road? Is he doing it in the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) Watching a video stream. Yeah, Bagley was the guy's older brother sitting on the bench pouting for the Kings. Goes for the steal. Good decision, Marcus. You you really needed that steal there. You're 6'8 or something or other. Can you just stand there? Make him shoot over you. Yeah. Went for the steal that would have won the game. Didn't get it. And the 70-footer wins the game. Well, it'll just be a footnote when they go to Final Four. Washington beat NAU 73-62 after... Oh, both my schools lost. Yeah. Crap. Well, yeah. wait, wait, what did Greg Hanyan do? <laughs> I don't think they did anything. Washington bounced back from the season opening loss. All right, the college basketball coming up this weekend. BYU, San Diego State tonight, Marriott Center, 7 o'clock, BYU TV. Good early season test, PK. A lot of easy wins mixed in, but some teams are scheduling big games early, and actually BYU's opener was good enough. And and this one always carries a little juice, going back to the days they were in the same league together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a nice non-conference game. Utah's got Sacramento State, 7.30 tomorrow night on the Pac-12 Networks.
Yeah, we'll be watching that. Yeah. SU not. Not. <laughs> Got some college football to watch Saturday night. Southern Utah and Dixie State. Their uh, in-state rivalry in St. George, 7 o'clock. That's on ESPN+. And Utah State takes on Richmond. Today, 4 o'clock, Scotty G will have the call. 4 o'clock? Wait, is Dixie State tonight? The, or excuse me, Dixie State has to use tonight, and so are the Utes, right? No, Utes are only aimed tomorrow. The Utes are tomorrow, okay. Everything else is tonight. Utes tomorrow, BYU tonight, SUU and Dixie State tonight, and 4 o'clock. What are playing 4 o'clock for? There's a double header. Navy and Virginia Tech are also playing in the same venue. Where? Uh, back in Maryland somewhere. Was Scotty back in Maryland? He wasn't on the show yesterday. Yeah, he was on a flight. Yeah. Don't you do that stuff? Is he going to make it back? No, he's got someone else doing the football game. Why um, not you? Because i got to work. Last year I didn't have to work. It was Thanksgiving night. Take the day off. off. <laughs> it's, it's not that simple, big guy. Why not? I'm not taking the day off. You miss it all because for soccer. Then, because then Adam has to slide in and he's got to go do something. Yeah, it's different. Soccer is the station's contract. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Neither do I. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> Pre-game 3.30 today. Scotty G will have the call at 4 o'clock. He won't be back for Wyoming. Someone else will be doing the game. Wyoming? I'm at football. I'm sorry. I, I'm a week ahead. <laughs> My bad. I was going to say, what? Yeah, if he's not back, then it's someone else. He's got a conflict for the Wyoming game, too. Maybe he will be back. I don't know. Maybe he's leaving on a jet plane. I haven't. I don't have his travel schedule. <laughs> what are you, Peter, Paul, and Mary? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sing it. Leaving on a jet plane. Well, don't know. Okay, here's the thing, though. <laughs> Technically, you could hop on a flight tonight and be back to San Jose. Uh, tomorrow. Maybe he will be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have Scotty's travel itinerary. I know he's got a conflict for the Wyoming game, and I'm not doing that one. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Back to throw to it. Looks coming. Got to get it off. Got a screen pass to one of his linemen. Robert Hunt. Oh, my God. He fumbled in the goal line. And I'm not sure. They got to look at this thing. He's got no signal from anybody. Late flag comes in. But, but he, yes, yes he, 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 didn't report, he didn't report eligible. This, yeah. is, this is illegal touching. Phyllis takes it. There it is. Miami. What a drive by the Miami Dolphins offense. First touchdown of the game for the Dolphins offense. Boy, did it come in a big time. And to his third touchdown of the year. No, definitely not. And, and the reason is I've only played five games. You know, I just got here. I'm supposed to be a senior in, in, in college right now. <laughs> like, you got to understand it's going to be hard. And I'm not making any excuses, but that's that's where growth comes. That's how football goes. You have to go through adversity to get where you want to go. So I definitely didn't come here thinking, you know, this is going to be the greatest thing ever and we're going to go undefeated. You know, I knew it was going to be tough. And that's part of the process. That's what makes football so fun. So my time's going to come. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson telling reporters he's focused on his health, not his playing status, expected to miss a third consecutive game with a sprained knee this week. Snee says definitely not 100%. Yeah, man, that press conference was so good for him. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's a young fellow there handling it so well. He's going to have that New York, New Jersey media eating out of his hand. I really believe that because he stands up, he owns it. He's got the golden boy looks. 
Now you got to win. But he's telling it like it is. I didn't expect to come in here with a crappy team and go undefeated. And, you know, I guess you should be a senior in college if that matters and all that stuff. Well, and he said he can learn by watching uh, Mike White, the way he makes his progressions, doesn't force the ball, knows when to take his shots. Talked about that. And before that, you heard highlights from the Dolphins and the Ravens. Miami shocking Baltimore 22-10. to They get the upset win. Jacoby Brissett, we were talking about him, the backup quarterback yesterday, but he got hurt, so Tua Tagovailoa came in, scored a touchdown, directed the Dolphins to the win. The crazy play you heard was the, uh, the big man. The big man, TD, always entertaining. But it was illegal. It was. It was <clears throat> illegal touching. Right? I quite Ineligible enjoyed it, Ineligible receiver. Though. It was funny as all get out. The play was supposed to go to Miles Gaskin, the running back out of the University of Washington, but he got buried. You couldn't even see him among all those trees there. And big but Robert, Robert Hunt stretching yeah. for the goal line like a halfback. I wonder what he was thinking. Nobody would notice. <laughs> this is my time to shine. Hey, I'm getting across the goal line. They can sort it out later. Hey, he got across the goal line. He did. the replay he upside did. down. That was so dang funny. It's a big body, but there's some athleticism buried somewhere inside that. A lot of times there is, yeah. yeah. Odell Beckham. Oh, one thing about the Ravens. Who's the real team in the AFC that you trust? I mean, with Henry gone, I think everyone's thinking, well, the Titans can't be what they could have been. I mean, he's just such a big part of the offense. Now, they are 7-2, and two, and they did win the first week without him. But two of their four touchdowns were set. One was scored by the defense. The other was set up first and goal after a turnover. I think I'd go with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Can't possibly happen, but thank you. Well, that's what makes it uh, fun. Got five three-loss teams now with the uh, Ravens, and then you got uh, another five teams on four losses. So we'll see how that sorts out. Uh, a couple of those contenders, the five and three Raiders and the five and four Chiefs, are playing the Sunday night football game. So big game right there. Odell Beckham Jr. to the Rams, Chiefs, Packers, Saints, Patriots, Seahawks. All making a bid for him, but he's going to the Rams. Can't beat him, join him. 7-2. Super Bowl contender, so Odell Beckham Jr. headed there. Cam Newton back to the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal worth up to $10 million if he hits all the bonuses. Cut by the Patriots in training camp. He lands back in Carolina where they've had a fast start and not much success. Started 3-0. going to play this week or no? Too soon. They got the Cardinals. I don't think he's, he's going to play. He's not expected to play this week. P.J. Walker is supposed to start. They've lost five of their last six games. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Utah and Arizona. Utes and Wildcats in Tucson tomorrow. Arizona 1-8 and eight after beating portions of the Cal football team last year with large last portions week. Of the, last week uh, large portions unable to play snapped their 20 game losing streak but the Utes big favorites in the desert expected to roll to another victory I think they will everyone thinks they will pregame show starts at 11 o'clock here on the zone the game kicks off at noon on the Pac-12 network Hashtag Utah State. Utah State, San Jose State. 
The Aggies, 7-2. If they win the last three games, they win the division. San Jose State, 5-5. Five five. Got their quarterback back. And they're actually favored in this game over Utah State. Yeah, it's a big game for sure. Yeah. You know, they got to find a way to be consistent the entire time and not rely on some fourth-quarter heroics and all that stuff. Eventually, that's going to get you. They were able to slip past CSU, able to rally late and beat UNLV. They've had four of them now. Air Force, another conference game that could have gone either way right at the end, went their way. So we'll see how it plays out. 8.30 on FS1, 8.30 tomorrow night, San Jose State. Five and three in the Mountain West Conference. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Back is Pickett. Throws for Crow. Touchdown, Panthers, to start the overtime. Play action fake. Big rush. He's always going to throw it. It's in the air. It's going downfield, and it will be intercepted. The game is over. Intercepted by MJ Devonshire. Pitt blowing a 17-point lead, but eventually getting the victory in overtime. So the Panthers still on track for a potential appearance in the ACC title game. College football tomorrow. There are a lot of ranked teams on the road, PK. Expecting some upsets here, and we got some games matching ranked teams. So some some teams are going to get beat. Ohio State, their gauntlet down the stretch. They've got 19th-ranked Purdue, and then they'll play Michigan and Michigan State, so Ohio State should be tested. Yeah. They're uh, 130 on ABC against the Boilermakers. Yeah, that's three good games to end the season. Purdue's, Purdue's proven themselves. Also in the Big 12, 10 a.m. kickoff undefeated in 8th-ranked Oklahoma facing Baylor. Baylor's got two losses now. They've also got that win over uh, BYU. They are ranked 13th. That game's on Fox at 10 a.m. Plenty good enough. 11th-ranked Texas A&M, 15th-ranked Old Miss on ESPN. And in the ACC, Wake Forest now has a loss, only one, but 12th-ranked Wake Forest, 16th-ranked NC State. That's on the ACC network. I mean, going forward in a couple years, I'm going to be looking forward to those 10 a.m. Big 12 games. Be able to focus on them. Pac-12 doesn't usually have teams playing in that time slot unless right. they're out on the road. Right. Whether And it, it's not just BYU because we'll be following the conference a lot closer like we do with the Pac-12. And they usually have a, a, at least one pretty good game in that time slot. Oh, yeah. They've, a lot, they've had a lot of good. Now, a lot of times it's Oklahoma and they won't be there. I understand that. But in BYU, someone's going to rise up because when the Arizona's left, what did BYU do? Rose up. It, the Devils with Frank Kush were the dominant team. And then they, they take off to the Pac-12, the Pac-10 back then. And so then what happens? Well, you get you have a replacement. Someone is going to replace Oklahoma. Well, it's not very far for Oklahoma State to go. They are 8-1 and one and ranked 10th. They're playing yeah. TCU. Maybe it is them. And it's not very far for Baylor to go either. Sitting there as a, uh, a two-loss team ranked 13th right now. Well, don't don't exclude the Cougars. I know you're channel two. You're the you Ute got, station. You got come BYU on. coming in. You got Cincinnati coming in. Cincinnati is playing tonight. They are fifth-ranked and undefeated playing South Florida, which should be easy, but nothing looks easy for Cincinnati the last couple of weeks. Eh, conference games, man. It's, the, it's their game. <clears throat> the opponent's game is this Cincinnati. Is South Florida's bowl game. They're not going. It's their big deal. It's their yeah. Super Bowl. I think we underestimate that. 
Uh, Sixth-ranked Michigan is also on the road this week with one loss. Ranked sixth, they are at Penn State. So see if there's a uh, a potential up to upset there. Number one, Georgia is at Tennessee. Tennessee's five and four and a twenty-point underdog. That'd be a shocker if they went down. Wouldn't think Georgia would lose that. No, but you never know. Ninth-ranked Notre Dame's got to go play Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia. Notre Dame a five and a half point favorite there. That game's on uh, ABC at five thirty. That's a primetime game because the Irish are wildly popular. So there's some more ranked teams on the road. Some potential upsets looming. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at eight zero one two nine five sixteen ninety. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Uh, one more game we should mention. Uh, Boise State, who is chasing Utah State, is playing tonight. So if you want to see that game, the uh, the Broncos are at home against Wyoming on FS1 at 7 o'clock tonight. So if you're looking for a little college football, there it is. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, going to join us at 8 o'clock. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star at 8.30. As the Utes get ready to face the Wildcats, we'll talk with them at 8.30 right here on the Zone Sports Network. Coming up next... More of your reaction to the Jazz losing to the Pacers at home. We will get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Utah Jazz get beat at home by the Indiana Pacers. The feisty Jazz lose to 5-8 Indiana, which was on the second night of a back-to-back. How could it be? Anthony says, well, just an abysmal performance. They deserve to lose. Michael says the Jazz were listless and totally outplayed. Effort was incredibly lacking. Couldn't watch fourth quarter, and I missed the quote-unquote brawl. (laughs) Better be ready for a Jimmy Butlerless Heat team, or we will get worked again. Ouch! Basketball emoji. Wait, 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 wait. So it's only hard to beat... A team twice in a short amount of time if your team wins the first game? Yeah, otherwise I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) You could say that's hypocritical double standard. I could just say you have to look at the game from multiple perspectives. Yeah, one being a fanboy. They lost to Miami last week. Teams often split in these situations, which indicate the Jazz at home should be able to win Saturday afternoon. Especially if Jimmy Butler doesn't go. However, one caveat I would put in there, if you're going to get out-rebounded by one guy on the other team who's pretty short, you're probably in trouble. Oh, a caveat. T.J. McConnell suddenly turning into uh, Wilt Chamberlain from 1965 or something. There's a lot of rebounds there for, uh, for T.J. 
a lot of extra possessions for his yeah. Pacers. As you know, he's Timothy John. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. They're turning, they're turning an NBA veteran into an all-star. It's really a great story. You know, he's from Pittsburgh, and that's where Sean Miller was from, right? And so he goes to Duquesne, and then Sean Miller gets the job at Arizona, and so he goes there. I think he might even have walked on, too. And I don't think he got drafted, but uh, is in the NBA now and has been in the NBA. Yeah, he was not drafted. He's been in the NBA for like six years. He's gutty. He showed it, man. A lot of heart. Five offensive rebounds or six one. You don't possess any discernible skills. There's nothing about you that says I can really rebound the basketball. But he had a night. If at the end of the year that's one of his five best games, no one would be surprised. Yeah, the game before, go look what he did the very game before. Was 21 8 and 5. Yeah. And Mitchell did say that. You know, he didn't say this other stuff was uh, the reason why they lost. He focused on that for sure. He mentioned that. But I thought it was a lot of stuff that I didn't really want to hear. You didn't want to hear about the fight. Want to hear about how come they were down double figures? early in the game. How come they gave up 60 points in the first half, punctuated by McConnell grabbing an offensive rebound and flicking it in yeah. right before the half, two-tenths of a second or something like that left. And We're just going to have to ride out this Clarkson shooting deal. There's just no other way, so we're just going to pencil him in for two for 13, and just that's just the way it is. Yep. He's earned the right to just brick shot after shot after shot. That does appear how it's going. He was 3 for 14 yeah. last night. 11 points on 14 shots. I mean, that's like taking somebody in baseball, and you know he's in a big-time slump, and, but we're going to play him, and he's going, to, he's going to bat. So you basically, every game, you're going into it, you're playing eight innings, and they're playing nine. You only have 24 outs because this guy can't hit, so you know that you're, doomed. you're, just, you're, you're wasting doomed. that time. And that's what we've got here with Clarkson. Shooting 34.5% for the season. Miss after miss after miss. And there's no other way. I'm not a basketball guy. I I mean, I've never, uh, I never, I've never dived to the post. I don't know how to show on a screen. I mean, I I couldn't tell you any of that stuff. They've got a lot of guys struggling to shoot the three pointer. There's really only two guys who are shooting it very well here early in the season. Uh, Conley and Ingles are both on track for doing what they do. Joe's shooting 42% and Conley's shooting 43 But after that, you've got multiple Jazz players shooting 31 or 32%. Except and Clarkson's struggling not, worse than them. He's at 23%. Yeah, those guys are not sh- putting up double-digit shots from three every game. Uh, Mitchell is, but you're right. But Bogey Mitch, is not. Mitchell's fine. I don't view Mitchell's contribution as three-point shooting. At least averaging... 10 per game and shooting 32%. I expect that number is going to get better. I've been saying that for a while, I realize. I can hear you screaming at your car radios. You've told us that before! I know, and it hasn't happened yet. But I still expect it. Can they curtail it, or is just we're just going to ride it out? I don't know the answer. I'm not this basketball savant. But uh, all I know is that there's just a ton of wasted possessions when he starts gets in there and fires them up. We all like him, and he's you know he's great. He's one of our JC, you know, and all that stuff. And he's a character, and all. Yeah, that's all well and good. But I got to see the ball go in the hoop, man. 
I mean, I don't care about that other stuff. The, the funny interview and, and uh, you know, everybody likes him and he's their favorite teammate. And that's all warm, fuzzy stuff. To me, warm, fuzzy stuff is W's. That's where I get the warm and fuzzy from. Well, if you're not scoring, go do the other stuff. Two rebounds in 24 minutes isn't very many. If, uh, if McConnell can be out there getting, getting his eight rebounds and five offensive, why can't everybody else? There's plenty of misses to go around. So go get them. Well, and they didn't. You know, I'm not asking for Clarkson to turn into a decoy, but can he move in closer? Because he has a way to maneuver his body. He's like a snake. Yeah, but he's missing some of those shots, too. I know, but I'd, I would live with those. To me, those have a better shot to go in. And if they don't go in, then maybe they're not producing long rebounds and whatnot. Uh, yeah, the problem, when he goes, the problem when he goes to the hoop, and he was one for four in the two-pointers, is if he leaves his feet and lands on the ground, then it's five on four going the other way, and the Pacers know it, and they cashed in on it last night. One of those times he did it. What do you mean if he leaves his feet and lands on the ground? Where the hell else is he going to land? Uh, not on his feet. Not <laughs> Land on his butt. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't spell that enough for you. He's but he lands on his knuckles. butt. Then it's five on four going the other way. And they hit a okay. three. Okay. okay. And, gotcha. and they did. Right in front of the Jazz bench. And Joe was on the other side of the floor, <laughs> saw what was happening, went flying at the guy. I can't remember who hit it, but whoever it was, wasn't worried about Joe flying at him. And Nailed it. When he leaves his feet and lands a on foot the ground, above yeah, I know. His butt court, on the ground. And he just stands there. <laughs> and he just kind of soars. That's just impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's got one I mean, of those. I know it's, it's I think he's got a JC, magical. But I didn't know it stood for that, JC. It's a magic. It's a, no, it's not. It's a magical, invisible broom from Harry Potter, and he's playing Quidditch, and he's just kind of zooming around the place. That's how that works. Now that I know what the JC stands Hey-o. for, I thought it was Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> They are a top five rebounding team in the NBA, but they did not look like it last night. And to no. me, that was problem number one. And the shooting percentages are a problem. I get that. And maybe some of the shot selection is. And they, if they had rebounded, they still would have won that game. And we'd be in here talking about the shooting issues Most and the shooting percentages. But I mean, you just can't get out-rebounded by 16 and seriously think you're going to win a basketball game. You know, rebounded by 16 boards, your odds. That's like Kyle Whittingham sitting up there and saying, yeah, we're going to turn it over three times, but we're going to win. I can find you examples where it happens. But if you check all the examples, it doesn't happen very often. No, that's a large amount. That's where I would have liked the focus to be a little more on that as opposed to the refereeing. Yes, agreed, 100%. Because you're not going to change them. They're going to call it how they call it, and you have to adapt. Right, but what you can change is your ability to play tougher. And if they're not calling it, I mean, this is not the the Pistons' bad boys here. I mean, come on, guys, look, roll out some tape and get some perspective here. Well, they all saw it because everybody watched the Jordan documentary because nothing else was on. So all those fouls are fresh in everybody's mind during the pandemic. Yeah, I they mean, did a good Jordan job was of, beat to a pulp. They did a good job of showing the Jordan rules and how right. hard they were going to hit him. And, and, you know, mostly speaking, he played through it. And, you know, they, they allowed stuff. You know, they didn't go nuts every time. I mean, Reggie's Miller and... Michael Jordan, didn't they like they just go head to head for a bit? You didn't see forty seven guys come running from the upper bowl <laughs> uh, security, you know what I mean? No, how security <laughs> is uh how security handles this stuff has changed over the years. 
probably because of the malice of the palace and a few other incidents. Yeah, and I'm fine with having as much security as you want. But, man, they just, just sprint out on the court, and I'm just wondering if that just heightens the adrenaline and the endorphins and all that other stuff that I don't even know about of guys. And I mean, Because to see Mitchell basically explode over what? I don't know. But that's where he got in the—, the it, it wasn't much, but there was, a, there was a little bump of a referee in there. Oh, he forearmed yeah. him. And there's going to be he zero. He made contact. Yeah, he did. I mean, Joe was basically a two-hand shove. I mean, what are you I thought, thinking? I thought Joe's was way more aggressive than Donovan's. Uh, the actual body contact was, yeah. but the animation leading up to it wasn't. Agree with Mitchell that. Mitchell was just but I don't like think, he was totally out of control. But I don't think Mitchell got in trouble for the animation. You're right as far as the how demonstrative he was. Yeah. He was very demonstrative. But I think that's what you get away with. But then when he— Yeah, but where's, what's that going to get you? And then you complain, well, you threw three guys, three key guys out? No, you threw yourself, yourself out. out. Uh, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think any of those was even remotely um, controversial. I thought those were all once you saw the video, you know that guy's gone, and then you see the next piece of video, that guy's gone. Yeah, the tall it's, guy, some ref named Ed. Yeah, Ed Malloy. I Ed think. Malloy. Now I know who Ed Malloy is. I'll be watching him. I try not to let any of these referees. He's one of the more long tenured and better officials out there. He's been in the league a long time. Well, he's tall and skinny, but I mean, Joe. Oh yeah, practically pushed him to the ground. Yeah, yeah. he he. Get, that's why Joe got. But ejected. see, and I thought Ed did a phenomenal job. Stayed calm. Um, yeah, just did his thing. Right, didn't take it personal. Right, exactly. So and 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 to say that we're accountable, which is cool, but they're not accountable. That's BS. They are accountable, and they get to leave the league sometimes. You're gone. I mean, there's a reason there's a bunch of new guys you don't know. <laughs> the old guys were invited to leave. Thanks for playing. One of the guys that I played high school ball against many years, including summer, was an NBA referee, and he re- he referees college now because he got canned. Yep. You heard of Tommy Nunez? I do. I know the name, absolutely. I would know him if some. Well, it was the dad yep. and, the son. and the son. I played ball against the son. Yeah. So he's out of the NBA. In fact, we got a little yeah. scuffle at third base once. Really? Yeah. Did 47 security guys come out? Did you bump the ump? No. Good call. No, they only have two umpires in high school baseball. Not usually one at third base. No. no, no. Guy behind home plate and a guy behind second in short center field, yeah, depending, depending on what's going on. Yeah, depending on, or first base, if there's nobody on base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are accountable. I just thought there was a little too much focus on that. But those are the questions you get asked, and that's yeah, the last thing that happened in the game. I don't let them have it. People are it's just fresh don't, in people's don't mind. continue it, and you, you got to ask it. You know, yeah, yeah, because obviously it was a story, but I think Thurl said it. This I call it a scuffle, not a fight. It wasn't the story of the game. Story of the game was them getting out rebound right. and getting out hustled. Indiana played with more energy, so Indiana won the game. If you're looking for one stat in an old-school box score that tells you which team had more energy, check the rebounds. And these are great lessons to learn or reinforce in November. Yeah, I don't think they're learned. I think it's reinforced. That's why It's not really something that's been a problem either. It shouldn't be something that you need to learn, but maybe you need a reminder. Everybody has an off night. Nobody's perfect. Right, right, right. And they are top five in the league in rebound percentage. Right, I mean, I, 
I now expect them, I don't know what the schedule is, to run off 15 wins in a row at home. It's not like I'm any version of, oh my gosh, this team is so overrated. I can't <laughs> believe it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't feel that at all. There's nothing in my mind. At watching that game, I get that vibe. No, no, not at all. I, I think that uh, this might be good in, in, in the long term. Get a little kick in the pants. Get going. Get a little a little more intensity, a little more focus, those types of things, all those cliche type of things. Well, they've lost say. three of four, so that ought to create a little yeah. urgency. Yeah, that's good. And, and two of the losses at Orlando, and now this home loss to Indiana, are against teams with losing records. So you can tell me they got good players. You can tell me some, they do some things well and they're dangerous, and most NBA teams are dangerous. New Orleans doesn't look very dangerous right now. But most teams on any given night – might be able to pull off a win. That's why the Thunder have beaten the Lakers twice. Well, you got the, yeah, Brogdon but, and, and it's three of, Those guys are players. It's three out of four, and it's two games to teams with losing records. So that ought to create some urgency. They ought to bring the energy. They're usually very good at rebounding, so they ought to get back to it. But last night, that wasn't close. That was a big old red flag, and they were charting it on the broadcast, so we all knew in the first half how poorly it was going. All right, DJ and PK coming up. David Locke will join us in about 15 minutes. More with him. College football next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This week's Raider game, Raiders and Chiefs, brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. The Utes coming in off a blowout win over Stanford. You worried at all about them keeping their edge until the Oregon game? They don't need their edge. They don't need their edge against Arizona. Right. They'll need their edge against Oregon. Well, you said until the Oregon game. Yes. Yeah, I, I wish Kyle could have got up there Monday and said, listen, guys, here, man, I know i got to do this. This is scheduled. But we're going to kick the holy you-know-what out of him. <laughs> the word that Donovan used multiple times in his post-game press conference. And so, I mean, we can ask questions, and I can, you can ask me questions, and then I can say, well, you know, they got the win. I'm sure they're going to try to build on it. And yada, blah, 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 blah. But let's face it, if we don't win by 25 – this is a huge disappointment. We are going to smoke these guys. We've beaten them four times in a row. They suck, and we're good. Any other questions? No? Thank you? Goodbye. <laughs> Best press conference ever! <laughs> I mean, isn't that the truth of the matter? I would think so. I mean, I, I just, I'm not used to seeing teams completely annihilate their opponent two weeks in a row the way the Utes did Stanford, but... When the Utes were playing Stanford, I was thinking, well, this is what I thought the Arizona game was going to look like. I didn't think it was going to be this lopsided against Stanford. God is obviously a Ute fan. This is another team in which the starting quarterback is not playing. The fourth one. And not only the starting quarterback, but the backup quarterback. 
and they were bouncing back and forth a little bit. Uh, but now they're down to Plummer. He's a kid from the Phoenix area. He got a little bit of experience last year, but he was listed as third team, and he's hurt even. So they have a crappy team to begin with, and now they're playing a third-team quarterback. And if you're wondering if this is impacting their offense at all, they have scored 20 points in a game this year exactly one time. They lost to USC 41-34. Other than that, they uh, cannot get past the number 19. They can't even get past the 19-yard line. Ayo. <laughs> Give that man a rim shot. <laughs> so, this is going to be another blowout. Over by 130. So you can watch the next round of big games kicking off. Get the subs in there. Rest everybody. Keep them healthy for the Oregon game the next week. I want to be back in Phoenix eating at my sister's house by 6 o'clock. Quick post game. Fast game. Run the ball, Kyle. Move the clock. Let's go. Right. And what are you going to say afterward? They sucked. We beat them. And the second or- the game's over, that's exactly where Oregon. they're going. On to Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. He's giving the Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati deal. On to Oregon. Yeah. I mean, they're probably going to be on to Oregon while the game is still running. Clock is still going. Get the big lead. Arizona's not built to come back. So then you can put in the twos and the... I don't know how many of the threes get to travel. A few of them. Uh, Yeah, conference games, they have a limit. What is it, like 60 or something? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, somewhere along those lines, yeah. But I mean, everyone should play, unless you're trying to preserve something. But they got that rule now: you play in four games. Uh, and I wouldn't; I'd be so hesitant to redshirt anybody anymore, anyway, with the free transfer. Why? Why waste it? Save it for some other school later when the kid moves on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm the school, I try to get him in there. It, and the player, what's he going to say? No, I want a red shirt. And I'm <laughs> say, uh, I'm, I'm not good enough. The guys who red shirt now are the guys who have injuries early in the year. Yeah, or maybe if you have a quarterback, that uh, what's, what's the kid? Costelli, is that his name? I mean, he's nowhere near getting in any games. So it seems like that that's the call there. But you know, I've played this game so many times with these quarterbacks that I don't even think about the kid. The kid's not even on my mind. I have no idea if he'll ever get out on the field. And I don't care as long as I got somebody else who's good enough. What difference does it make? DJ and PK coming up next. David Locke, radio voice of the jazz, joins us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it's time to talk with David Locke. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. And David's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team each and every Friday. David, good morning. Hi, David James. How are you? I'm sad the Jazz have lost three out of four. When will I be happy again? When will there be joy in the universe? Um, <clears throat> there'll be joy in the universe for a very long season process of ups and downs. Um. You know, this is they're trying to learn how to play. The league's got a book on them, uh, and now they got to figure out how to play it. 
and that's that's going to be a long, you know, it, are they going to fix it by game 12? Evidently the answer to that is no. Are they going to fix it by game 70? Let's hope so. Explain what that book is, please. Um, so I, I think there's it's both a better stay away from the Jazz strengths because the Jazz strengths are so good they'll crush you, and that the Jazz have some weaknesses that the Clippers particularly exposed in the playoffs. Some other people did during the season last year, but there wasn't a book on it. I mean, I think if you let's, – let's just make sure we understand this league. So the Jazz were great last year, right? They're 52-20. Yeah. and 20. They played the game a little differently. They did all these great things. What – you know, what did the other coaches in the league do? They, and, and we're not loaded, right? We don't have LeBron. We don't have Kawhi. We don't have Anthony Davis. We don't have one of those guys. So we're, you're, if you're an opposing coach, you're looking at what we have, and you're, it's somewhat replicable to, um, to what's taking place. And so you think to yourself, like, all right, let's go study this. And I think, I think the coaches around the league have all spent time studying the Jazz. And then even moreover – the last two teams we played that we lost to were teams who either the head coach was the former head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, who were up 2-0 on the Clippers and thought they were playing us in the playoffs, or the assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, who were up 2-0 on the Clippers, right? Jamal Mosley was with the Mavericks, now the head coach of Orlando. So those teams had dug in. And Rick Carlisle rolled out his playoff game plan last night. And the playoff game plan is... You better not get in a pick-and-roll game with the Jazz on either side of the floor because if Rudy Gobert can defend the pick-and-roll, you can't score in the half court. So they rushed it up the floor. They pulled Rudy out of the middle for a good deal. They did play some pick-and-roll with Sabonis and Brogdon, and they crushed us pretty good on it. But for the most part, the key stretches of the game were when Turner spread the floor five wide. Brogdon just put... 60-pound lighter Mike Conley on his hip, bogarted him to the basket and scored, and then when the Jazz brought help, kicked out to Miles Turner, who hit three threes. That's, that's the offensive sequence that changed the game. And so there's a, you know, the game's really simple for everyone. What can we do to negate Rudy's defensive impact by moving him around and then attacking where he's not? And if you play pick and roll against us, Rudy's involved and he's the greatest defensive player in the world. And that's literally what Rick Carlisle said about him before the game is you know, we're dealing with one of the great defensive players in the history of the game. And then on the other end of the floor, what did we do offensively last year? Well, we ran. We hit, took over 50% of our shots in threes in transition. We hit 43% of those shots. We were brilliant offensively early. And then we got you in the pick and roll and had the best pick and roll combinations in the league. So what do you do? Well, last night the answer was we crashed the glass with tenacity, forced the Jazz to rebound. Moreover, back to Rudy being pulled out defensively. Once they didn't have an offensive rebounding thrust against us until Sabonis went out of the game in the first quarter, and then once Sabonis went out of the game, they spread the floor a little bit more, then they, Rudy's pulled out. He's, he's got to make a you know, real effort to come back and get a ball because they're not very good rebounders otherwise, and they crushed us. And then the part two of that is if you switch everything defensively, then you can't play pick and roll, and then we can't play pick and roll, and then you're hugging our shooters, and we're not moving the ball, and we're not pinging it around. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, wow, we just don't look the same, and we don't. That's 100% true, and, and it doesn't seem right. Something's off. But a lot of what's off is what opponents are doing to us, that they're hugging the shooters, they're switching much more than they used to, they're not allowing the ball to move because when you switch, there just aren't passes to be made, and our passes are, are way down. We're 250 passes a game from 280 from 300 a few years ago. So what is the and answer? And by the way, we're the number two offense in the NBA. I mean, like, it's kind of this mix and match. But I agree with everyone. I just don't – we don't look right. 
So number two in the NBA offensively and top five in rebounding percentage. So is it as simple as Indiana got more rebounds, they got more possessions, they got more shots, and that's why they won the game? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And they made, they made you know, there's a – Miles Turner goes three of three from three, and some of our guys didn't go – you know, didn't hit those same shots. Um, 100%. That's last night's game. The rebounding percentage, I don't like that stat because – Offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds are two different things. We're living offensively right now based on the fact that going into last night, we were the number one offensive rebounding percentage in the league, and we're the number two free throw team in the league. So, you know, we aren't making shots. We're 24th in the league in three-point shooting, and we're shooting the most threes. But we're grabbing offensive rebounds, particularly when Whiteside's on the floor, and, uh, and getting an extra possession. I think we're averaging 1.4 points per possession off an offensive rebound right now. That's how, that's how we're surviving. But that's for a lot of teams, that you can take that away. You can just commit. Like, okay, we're not letting them get offensive rebounds. And we're getting a lot of those fouls off offensive rebounds. So it's a little bit – I'm a little nervous that I'm not sure the offensive rebounding rate and winning games by offensive rebounding is a sustainable model. Impacting games by offensive rebounding and getting an edge offensive rebounding, which we did last year, is a sustainable model. But we're winning games based on offensive rebounding, and I'm not sure that that's sustainable. Okay, then what would be sustainable potentially of, with your your situation, your concern of the offensive rebounding is the shots go in the basket in the first right. place so you don't have right. to worry about the offensive rebound. Right. I mean, really what I'm – yeah, 100%, TK. What I'm really saying is winning while shooting 33% from three for the whole year is not a script that we actually can do. Right. Like that's – like, and if Jordan Clarkson does this for the entire year, it's really a big problem. Like, yes. let's be – you know, it's been going on for 14 – 12 games like let's just be really honest about it if your second highest volume guy becomes deficient players in the nba it's a really really big problem yeah and i think he'll get out of it he'll be fine but the fact that they're eight and four while jordan clarkson has just you know had a stretch that is and he you know here here's the other problem and, and we have to just be let's be really honest about our roster our roster is built predominantly with offensive players who are terrific and great shooters for most of them, when they're not, if they're not shooting well, they don't bring a ton other things to the table, right? Like if Boyan's not making yeah. his shots, he's not really clamping down defensively. That's not really his game. So it's pretty remarkable that a team built on shooters is eight and four, or now eight and five, I guess. No, eight, eight, eight and, and four. They're in four. Eight and four. I gave him an extra lot. It just felt like two lots. <laughs> You know, is eight and four when you're ha- when you're shooting twenty. You know, when you what you're predicated on is not performing well. I don't like. Let me ask you guys: Should we have solved the the Clippers spread us out, drove down our throats, moved Rudy out of the middle, negated his defensive impact, and on the offensive end, <clears throat> for us on the offensive end, they switched one through five, stagnated our offense. Should we have solved all of those problems by the 12th game of the season? Yes. Okay. Uh, you're not going to solve all of the problems, and the problem on any given night, you know, they might move you around, but does the other team shoot the three that well? And then I think on any given night, and you'd be better at this in the playoffs, is there one weak link that if you're going to concede an open three, you know, this guy on this portion of the floor isn't a good shooter, so know that, and if he's over there, let him, you know, let him, let him shoot. 
So I thought what happened last night was that Indiana played with, was not does not play a lot of fast break basketball. In fact, they play the most half court possessions of anyone in the league. Played with a really really good early thrust and got down the floor and were kind of attacking early. Maybe not purely fast break points or transition fast break points. That doesn't tell the story. But they were playing early enough that the Jazz were not able to get set defensively to have those effects. They had game plans of what they wanted to do to try to keep Rudy in the middle. Those work if you're able to get set, everyone's in the right position. But it felt like there were a lot of possessions last night where the Jazz were defensively scrambling from the, from the onset and so therefore never able to get back. It also was probably because they were complaining to the officials incessantly last night. I do think, by the way, I think it's worth commenting. I'm not trying to make an excuse, and I do think what happened last night is the same thing happened to Orlando and Miami. I I think there's a script. I think this is what happens when you have the best record in the league. Um, I do think that the the events that are going on in our community impacted the players last night. There's just no possible way. I was in the room last night, yesterday, with Donovan and Joe when they had their pressers. When Donovan left his press conference, he walked out with just the biggest emotionally spent sigh, reached up high up onto the door, the top of the door well, kind of stretching with that just just exhausted, like, wow, that was heavy. He came out and played brilliantly. Joe, I texted with afterwards just saying, you were amazing, and he you know, just was like, that was so hard. He was so raw and so real. And it's not as though those are the only two affected. You know, if, I can't relate to this, but if you're a black man and a 10-year-old child commits suicide in your community, and is black because of being bullied, and that seems to have been maybe part of the reason, as well as their special needs, it's going to impact you. I don't feel that. I don't have that experience, but I'm certain that everyone feels that in a way that I just can't relate. So, and they're, you know, Joe and Donovan, if you just kind of look at the, the way the day works, you know, there was clearly a discussion. Do you want to do this? Do you want to go out? Do you want to leave the charge publicly? Do you want to use your platform? There's just so much around all of that that, has to be done and orchestrated and Joe spends an hour on the phone with the mom. Like it's fine that we're sitting here analyzing basketball today, but I think we have to be honest. If you watched them play last night, they were distracted. They were emotionally grumpy. They were in a bad mood. They laughed some juice. Like these things impact them. They're human beings. They're real. And you know, for most of them, that has to hit at a core that I don't get. Like I don't have an autistic kid. So, I mean, I'm a parent, and listening to Joe in the presser last night, yesterday, if you weren't about to cry, you didn't have a heart. And if you Thurl Bailey last night with his incredible ability, while clearly on the verge of breaking emotionally, to give that moment of silence, like if that that those are impacting humans, and I don't want them actually to play great with all that going on because I'd far rather have Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell take the platform they took yesterday and be as admirable as they are, and so. I, I think there is a big picture basketball thing that yesterday was representative of, but I also think they were just really not right last night. The same way they weren't right in Orlando, and you can just there's certain nights where you look at it and you're like, okay, like Orlando was clear with seven games, seven cities, twelve days. You kind of knew it was coming, and Orlando played great, and they had a game plan. Last night's clear, like Indiana played great. They were coming off a loss, they played great, they were terrific, they initiated, they owned space all night. We didn't own our space. We got physically punked. They came out to do it. But we were clearly off our game, right? We just, I mean, I've never, we were complaining so much last night. We were just so bothered by our existence last night. And I just, it has to play. It just can't, 
And I don't mind that. Like, I think that's fine. Great. Like, be human and be a leader in our community. Because Joe Ingalls and Donovan Mitchell yesterday were overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly impressive people yesterday. So I think that's why we talk about these trends across the season instead of any one game. Jerry Sloan said a long time ago, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. Now, yesterday we know because there's a press conference. But back to your point about 12 games and trends and people having schemes that were drawn up since the playoffs, this is going to keep being a thing over the course of the year. And I think one thing you said about the – you know, the Jazz had the defensive plan, but they were caught in a scramble. One thing the Jazz have cut back on, but when they're trying to work the refs for calls, I think the complaining after a no call is pretty obvious. But when guys drive the hoop and pick up the landing gear so they tumble to the ground trying to draw the foul, it sets off a five-on-four. And I don't know if you've got any big-picture numbers, not any one game, but any big-picture numbers on that because – there was a sequence where it happened, and they did get a five on four, and the Pacers hit a three off of it. And I've seen that in other games. You have big picture numbers on how big a problem that is. We're twenty eighth in the league in transition defense, so um, you know, let's let's go with it. Even if we're not complaining, we're not great at transition defense. So when we suddenly complain, I'm certain we're a thirtieth in the league. <laughs> That's my big picture number. Well, those and numbers those numbers make sense. Like, I don't, and David's breaking up. We lost you there, David. I don't know what you said. Uh, I said it was, you know, last night was particularly bad complaining to the officials. It's not usually something I have in my play-by-play call. I always kind of feel like you give the player a pass every now and then on that. But last night it was so incessant. It actually almost be, it be, didn't almost, it, it became a part of my call. It was literally like Boyan drives to the basket, misses, is complaining to the officials, transition for Indiana. Rudy Gobert wanted a call, didn't get it. Complaining to the officials, Indiana in transition the other way, like it was. It was truly a part of what was taking place in the game last night. All right, David, we'll hear you Saturday early start. Why? Why is it early? Do you know? Three o'clock. I don't know. Last year we played Indiana in two day games and beat them both times, so we should have played early yesterday. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. We'll hear you tomorrow. Tip off at three o'clock. Pre-game at two o'clock. Jazz game night will be jazz game. Oh, after. We, we tip off at three. I keep saying it's three thirty. I'm glad I'm, I better show up by three, huh? Yeah. Okay. Tip off at three. Pre-game at two. Right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thank you, David. Coming up, Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. The Utes going to play the Wildcats. Greg, what is the path to, if not victory, at least an interesting game? We'll talk with Greg Hansen, longtime columnist for the Arizona Daily Star, next. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. 
At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Darn tootin'. You know, one thing I noticed. What have you noticed? That if you take Oklahoma out of the Big 12 right now and put in the teams that would be in the Big 12, mm-hmm. they would have more teams ranked in a college football top poll, okay. playoff poll yeah. than they have... BYU's right having a good year. Houston's got a better record than BYU, and Cincinnati's got a better record than both of them. But I don't think Houston isn't ranked. They are not, but they are a one-loss team. The teams that are coming in are playing really well right now. Central Florida is the quote-unquote weak link, and they're six and three. So how could you possibly think this wouldn't be uh, an AQ? Makes no sense to me. DJ and PK. It's time to bring in Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. And he joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit smartrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Greg, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. How's uh, the autumn weather up there? Uh, kind of cold and blustery and overcast, and you're down there <laughs> in 86 degrees, and tea times are probably hard to come by. 86 is too warm. This time of year. Yeah, but the good the good news is, Greg, is my flight to cover the game leaves at 4 or 5 today. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Winner! At least, in, at least you'll be in the press box during the game tomorrow. I will be, yes, yes. And then uh, heading back up to Phoenix where the family lives and planning on uh, right. hitting the course on Saturday, on Sunday. Wow, what a great weekend. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he does think that. He's been talking about it in commercial breaks. He's looking forward to it. I don't think we've seen the sun since like last uh, Sunday or, Mon- or Saturday. Uh, it's been pretty cloudy here. Had a little rain. All that stuff. All right, so I am curious now, uh, Greg. I grew up in San Diego once, and I was home uh, visiting, driving around in the uh, the car, listening to the local sports talk radio. It's years ago, back when the Chargers still played there. They were in a run where they weren't very good at all, and I mm-hmm. and I was thinking, hey, if they get to eight and eight, they'll be pretty good. And they start talking about it, and, and one of the hosts gets all wound up and starts talking about winning the Super Bowl. In a year where I oh. thought eight wins would have been pretty good, and nine or ten was really more than you dare hope for. To talk about the Super Bowl was just ridiculous, and I thought the dude was wasting my time. Mental yeah. note, don't waste people's time with just way too much sunshine that isn't even remotely possible. So I don't want to put too much sunshine in this game, but aside from three or four turnovers keeping this close for a while, is there any reason to talk about why this might be a close game other than a boatload of fumbles will always make a game close? Yeah, I would say, you know, now ESPN always shows the probability of wins or losses. This is... This could be the first one ever I've seen at 100. <laughs> 99.8 at least. Is there anything that Arizona's offense can do? Anything. I mean, Barry Hill's a decent uh, receiver. I thought Plummer shows a little bit. I know he's banged up, and, and he didn't win the job, so obviously he wasn't their first choice. But anything that they can do to have any kind of success? I, w- I would say no, just just being straight up and um, – you know, Will Plummer might not even play. Right. Uh, they might they might play a walk on who's, who's taken one snap um, and mix in a receiver, Jamar Joyner, to run Wildcat stuff. But uh, you know, Cal was so bad last week. 
I mean, what were they missing? Forty guys. Yeah. And and Arizona struggled to be to score ten, um, and they got the, their only touchdown in the last couple of minutes. So, I mean, I watched the Utah game at Stanford, and I just kept going, "Wow!" I, I mean, that was so impressive. Stanford. I know Stanford's not like they were five years ago, but still, that was just so. It was intimidating if you're an Arizona coach. That was so impressive. All right. Well, thanks, Greg. <laughs> Maybe senior day or something. Get some emotion there. Because don't they finish with two games on the road? Oh, yeah. They got to go to Washington State for a night game and then play at Arizona State. And um, But they've got some hope um, because they hired a – which you wouldn't expect. They have one of the better coaching staffs in the conference. Um that's the one thing Jed Fish, he was so well-connected, and he's such a good speaker. He was able to talk these guys into coming here. You know, the entire defensive staff are former NFL coaches, and their defense is okay. Their defense is in the middle of the league and, and not even maybe even fifth or fourth in the league, and they've got the same players they've had on defense. So, you know, they've got a – I think Morgan Scully's probably the best defensive coordinator in the league, obviously, but – Arizona's guy, Don Brown, has got to be right there with him. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star, join us. So are there freshmen who are like in two years, everybody's going to know their name? Okay, they have so many freshmen now. And, and during the game, I keep having to check the roster. You know how you used to know the name of every player on the team and, and know their numbers? I don't know these guys. And I've gone to every game and watched every game and there's just so many new faces, and it's a total changeover. And then, you know, check back in three years. Strength of the defense linebackers? It's actually turned out to be their defensive line. They've got big enough guys now for the first time on the defensive line to play in the Pac-12. And they are, they've been productive. And, um, they blitz, they mix in eight guys. I know a couple of them are injured now, but they're they're useful guys. Um, they're, they're not what Utah has, but uh, they're okay. And, and that's a progress. I'm curious, as you uh, look around the conference, you have covered it for a long time. We were discussing this earlier in the week about the number we've already seen a couple coaches change. There could be a couple more coaching changes. Uh, the youth have run into multiple backup quarterbacks. This will be yeah. fourth time in the conference season they faced a guy who wasn't the starter when everything got going. So, wow. has there been a time where things have seen this unsure, this far down, this bad? You know, I think in the mid-'80s and the mid-'90s, the league was as bad as it is now. Um, and ironically, those were the years Arizona was always one game away from the Rose Bowl, but now they're not on that level. But I think it was just as bad in the mid-'80s. USC and UCL, I mean, USC was was really down in the mid-'80s and again in the mid-'90s. And I, I think it's back to that level now. Um, um I mean, one team is ranked. It's hard to believe Utah is not ranked, but it looks like they will be the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I don't think this is the worst the league's been. Uh, I remember, 
you know, USC was beatable all through the '80s and '90s. Yeah, and, and they are again, and that's the big, ch- and that's the big chance for everybody. So you already talked about the weather. It's supposed to be pretty hot for this time of year, and it's a day game. I'm wondering, how has the community responded? They know they're not in for uh, a win, likely, if they're going to the stadium. But nevertheless, fish, much more of a breath, breath of fresh air than Sumlin. So how has the community responded to them? Well, last week there were probably 12,000 people in the stadium. They announced the attendance at 30,000. And the overall season average is inflated they've had at least 10 to 15,000 no-shows per game i think they're selling 30,000 tickets per game but it's about between 15 and 20,000 actual in-house and the student section just disappeared after the opening game and i think last week the student section they called the zona zoo i'm not exaggerating there couldn't have been 1500 so it's not exactly the must <laughs> So is uh, is coach staying upbeat during all of this and uh, doing the rah rah thing and out recruiting and still trying to whip people into a frenzy because that was how he descended upon Tucson. Boy, he he's got if he went into another line of work, he could be Tony Robbins, a motivational speaker guy. Yeah, he's just always on, and I've never seen him drop back from that. Even when they got beat really bad by a few teams, he was always energetic and, and moving forward, and I. I'm sure he realizes that's the only way it can be done. And, and over the years, you've seen Pac-12. I mean, Washington went 0 12 about 18 years ago, um, and got back. And uh, heck, I used to live in Oregon. I covered Oregon State and Oregon when they were the two two worst teams in college football, um, and played in a zero zero tie in the Civil War one year. <laughs> and they got, you know, they they got back. So I'd say Arizona should be okay if they stick with. If Fish can keep his assistant coaches, I think they'll be fine because they've got a recruiting class that doesn't reflect their status. They're they're about fourth or fifth in the Pac-12 right now in in recruiting rankings. So if they can get a quarterback at some point, you know, they'll be a tough out. But, you know, what what do you think it'll take, three or four years? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is the quarterback of the next two to three years, is it currently on the roster? currently on the roster now? No. They, they recruited, surprisingly, a, a guy from Anaheim Servite named Noah Fafita. And I've seen video of him a few times, and, and he's the guy, when you look at the film, say, wow, he can make plays. He, he might be a guy who takes you to 6-6 six and six when he's a junior or even a sophomore. So maybe they got that part taken care of, at least right now, stage one. And... Um, the way they've developed their defensive players, it, it makes you think that they'll be okay. And their, mo- you know, yesterday Jeff Fish said his model uh, in the league is Utah. Yeah, he did. Um, I saw that. Not, not, well, I don't know who else you'd say. Well, Oregon, I guess, but I believe that too. Maybe because I grew up in Utah and I followed Kyle Whittingham all the time and realized from the beginning what he did there is pretty special and. I no longer think Ike Armstrong was the best coach in Utah history. So since you lived in Utah and since you uh, worked in Oregon, you got an opinion on how the Utah-Oregon game is going to go? Is it in Salt Lake? It is, yeah. I'll take Utah. Is it a night game? 
Uh, it's we not likely. They, it's the six-day window, oh, but yeah. I don't think the windows for the 7.30 or 8.30 start are available. I think it's either going to be afternoon or late afternoon. I think the last month Utah has been a top-ten team. Yeah, I agree. Um, as, as good as anybody, but maybe the first four. And um, they're just so tough. It's so impressive to me to watch them. Yeah, they really are when you look at it. And and it's year after year. I think uh, Lev, the guy who uh, covers uh, mm-hmm. football for you guys, had, had a tweet, something about they've the Utes have had, uh, what, six out of the last seven seasons have had nine wins or more. And the Cats, oh. the Cats since joining the conference in 78 have only done it four times. I, mean, I don't think UCLA, can, going back 50 years, even UCLA can't match those numbers. And yet, Greg, we get people saying Kyle should be fired because he hasn't won the conference. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's the thing, though. That was a big thing here. Arizona was so close for about 15 years, and they finally fired Dick Comey and right. found out it was a huge mistake. Right. The program hasn't been the same since. Yeah. I, I mean, Rich Rod was okay, but off the field, he was a disaster. Yeah, he wasn't the guy you want your kid to be around. Right, right. And that was it. And yeah. Maybe Fish is the guy. I mean, it's clear they've got to get it right, and they haven't gotten it right. And if they get it right, uh, I think they can be back at least in the Tommy Larry Smith ballpark yeah. of being competitive. Yeah, just a tough out. That's what Fish has said for, from the beginning is we're going to be a tough out. And, right. Um, that's about all you can ask at a mid-level school like this in football. Yeah, exactly. Iowa State. They need to be Iowa State. Whose quarterback is from Arizona, but that's another story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> PK's been telling us a million times that uh, the best high school players in Arizona will not stay in Arizona because they're tired of 116 degrees mm-hmm. and trying to run and lift and practice and, and just live in that day after day. Do you figure Arizona kids are always going to live Arizona, leave Arizona as long as the weather is like that, which is the rest of our <clears throat> lives? It hasn't, you know, it wasn't that way until about five or six years ago. Um, some of it to me has to do with Arizona State just doesn't have a community feel to it. Um, you know, because of all the pro sports in Phoenix, I don't think ASU is really a hometown team that much. So it's easy for them to leave. Um, and maybe Arizona can, can give them a little neighborhood touch that they, they don't feel in Phoenix. But, and, and the way they're recruiting now, you, you would think they'll get some of those guys. Um, that's how Larry Smith and Dick Comey they had they were full of Phoenix guys. And I know that's going way far back, but that's how they won. They had Phoenix guys. Well, Greg, we appreciate a few minutes of realism. So this is going to be lopsided, and there's yeah. nothing anyone's going to do about it. And uh, the blot commences at noon. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll hope to see you in a press box. <laughs> All right, there it is. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star, who seems like he's lived in about uh, half of the towns in the in the league, or states of the league anyway. I was a Utah State kid. I grew up in Logan. Uh, and I didn't know I didn't know about the Oregon situation, but if he would, and he's older, I think he's around 70 years of age, if uh, he would have been covering Oregon, Oregon State, Earlier, because he's been in Tucson, I think since I was when I was in Casa Grande in the mid '80s, he was there, 
So he's been there for a good long while, which means if you do the math on Oregon, Oregon State, he has seen some crappy football. <laughs> <laughs> they were horrific. Right. They, they right. were Arizona and Colorado and yeah, then tug yeah. it down a few notches yeah. because they didn't have the one year where Colorado won the 10 games, won the division. They didn't have that. They just finished seventh and eighth, and in a big year, one of them made them to sixth. Mm-hmm. And that zero-zero tie is literally nicknamed the Toilet Bowl. That yeah. should explain everything. Yeah. So he's, but at the same time, he's also he was also there. And if you go back and look, Larry Smith had it going on uh, for a bit. I think he coached there six years, and then he took the SC job. And Tommy, it's funny. And Tommy, uh, we had him on our show because he did some broadcasting. He died uh, two years ago at age eighty, I believe. I also think uh, Ron McBride and Mark Harlan spoke at his funeral down in Tucson. And in death, his legend is growing by the week. When you look at what he did, and he ran him out of town. He got sick of it. Uh, this is so mind-boggling as you look back. And then they haven't. Richrod did get them. They were at least competitive, but he was a wacko, and uh, ends up. You know, we know what happened there. Uh, but I, I, I do think, and I agree with Greg that they can get to be a tough out relatively quickly. I, I believe that. I mean, th- that doesn't mean you're going to win a whole lot of games, but you can. But you can get back to six and six, and you can get the, back to playing close games and pulling yeah. an upset. And, and scaring somebody else. Yeah. And that would be a big step forward Not like where they've been. going into this game where he's talking about that, whatever they call it, the index of 99.9. Right. Yeah. And they call it a football power index. I don't know how they compute that the stuff. FPI, I see that. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. I don't football, see. Football power index. I don't, okay. see, I don't know how they compute that stuff. It didn't make any sense to me. But What I saw this morning, I think Utah is like 89% favor some such in yeah. this game. I would think that would be low. low. I would agree. Because when I hear yeah. that, and this may not be what it means, but when I hear that, I think, so if they played 10 times, Utah would win 9. No. And I'm like... Not this year. If, right, these two teams. Exactly. I don't think Arizona would win 1 out of 10 with these guys. And if they do, they got to have 5 turnovers. I mean, they've got to. they got to block a punt and have 5 turnovers. I don't know how else... I don't know what other path there is. And he talks about Arizona's defense being better, and it, he is right. They are fourth in total defense. But against the run, and you know Kyle is going to have them running the ball two plays out of three or three plays out of four and stretches in this game. Okay. Arizona's ninth in the league, 174 yards a game. I mean, is Tavion Thomas going to run for 150 in this game, higher or lower? Scotty, no. Scott and hands always play that. No. You're saying no because he's going to be out of the game right. before he gets to 150, and they literally had that discussion Thursday about don't take the overs in this because the stats aren't going to be that good because it's going to be a blowout. He's going to be playing second and third string guys. And I actually underrated Utah's FPI. 92.5%. Getting warmer, but not there yet. And it'll be warmer in Tucson, too. It will be warmer in Tucson. It's going to be in the the 80s there. And for those of you who don't believe Greg, who's been following the league for a long time on that thing about Utah and UCLA, he's, he's exactly right. The Utes are about to have their this is the sixth time in seven years, right? They're going to have thrown out the five-game season. You can't yeah, win yeah, nine yeah. times yeah, in a we'll, five-game we, we season. Don't, we don't count that one. Right. So this will be six out of seven. And he said, UCLA, I'm paraphrasing, but you got to go back decades. And UCLA had the three uh, nine or ten win seasons uh, under uh, under uh, Mora. I was going back, starting present day and working back. And you go to the previous decade – which was Carl Durrell, Rick Neuheisel, and they had one. 
It was a 10 and 2 season under Durrell. You go back to Bob Toledo, if you remember him. He, had, back, remember him. he had back-to-back 10-win seasons. That's six, ten, six, nine or 10-win seasons in 30 years. That's it. Now, if you get back into Donahue, he had a, he had a great run. He did. He did. He had it going on. And yeah. he had Rose Bowls, and then after back-to-back Roses, he missed the Rose, he went Fiesta, and then they went back to the Rose, yeah, and yeah. he had a Cotton in there, and they went bowling eight years in a row. He had a bunch of 9- and 10-win seasons. That's, uh, those are the glory days for UCLA. He was there 76-95. to 95. Oh, yeah, he was there my but entire the last, time in L.A. Yeah, the last 30 years, right. they've had six 9- or 9-win seasons or better. Yeah, I really think that you should think about making a coaching change. <laughs> You do not. <laughs> just, you don't know what you have. Yeah. And they have not had a, UCLA has not had an 11 win season. Now, if you go back far enough, they stopped playing 12 regular season games. Right. Um, but they've not had an 11 win season. I'm, I'm going back here. I don't see it. Yeah, you go back because I'm going to go to the bathroom. You do that. <laughs> DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80, the zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This week's Raiders game, and it's Raiders and Chiefs Sunday night primetime, is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Ah, memory lane, PK. What? I just got back from the toilet. Thank you for the update, PK. (laughs) What is memory lane? Greg Hansen brought up the Civil War. Oregon, Oregon State, and how bad they were, and how down the league was, and how the league bounced back, and Oregon and Oregon State have gotten much better. Did the league bounce back, or did SC bounce back, and Phil Knight gave Oregon a ton of money? Well, those are two factors. Devin tweets at us, ah, yes, the 0-0 game. I was at the toilet bowl. It was 20 degrees and freaking miserable. Oregon, Oregon State, 0-0 in 1983. Worst game you've ever seen. Forget the best games we've seen. The worst games that we've ever seen. 3-0 2003 in Provo, Utah. It was cold. It was really cold. It was really cold. No, where I was. field was all iced okay, up. Congrats to you sitting in the press box. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> nice and comfy. For the rest of us. Uh, Brutally cold. Yeah, there's something that he said that I want to share uh, in when we get to the top of the hour. But uh, yeah, there's there's too many to remember worse games. You've I seen know. some bad ones over the years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they just there's there are just so many. I mean, I, there's so many that I I can't remember. Whereas the the games that. The, the incredible finishes, they're the ones that stand out. So it's the other way for me. It's it, I can't remember this game or that game because some of them just 
You know, there's no rhythm, there's no flow, it gets boring. Uh, those things happen. Or the, the competition is so weak that it's not... It's any, a blood and it, it's out of hand. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, like Alabama, New Mexico State. I mean, what... what what what's the point? Yeah, what, and especially when you played Mercer in your second game of the season. You need New Mexico State and Mercer? Right. And you, Saban you, gets up there and says, we ought to be playing Power 5. And Could you just play good group of five teams? Yeah. I wouldn't mind watching Alabama-Cincinnati or Alabama-Houston or Alabama-Boise State or whoever else. Right. And then he he chastens the crowd for leaving. Well, what are you going to say and sit and watch that garbage for? <laughs> no reason whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's just I do. It's it's boring, and you have those those things like that. You don't necessarily have that in the NFL that much, uh, but you do at the collegiate level because there's going to be such uh, a drastic nature from one program to the next. Where in the NFL, it's the, the, the playing field is much le- much more level anyway. Uh, so. I so many games that have just been big time snoozers, uh, but then you get games where you, the the best I think the best is when you potentially expect something and it doesn't happen. The opposite happens. Like I fully expected going to Minnesota, Madison, Wisconsin, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was, that the Cougars were going to get crushed. I. I thought I told Scotty this is a waste of time to send me here a waste of money nah I think you should go and gosh man he called it he's like freaking savant I don't know how he put figured that one out but <laughs> it was also just, took a Pulitzer award-winning type photo as well I did there with uh, the tight ends coach running on the beach into the waiting arms oh, the, of Jeff Grimes <laughs> <laughs> the reasons well I mean among the many reasons that I thought you were right and Scotty was taking a heck of a flyer was that Wisconsin had just rolled in Provo the year before yeah I mean, they oh, what, they that wasn't win. competitive they rolled yeah 40 to 6 I mean they just crushed them right right and now you're going to go to Madison yeah, because we always get always get in the spring games. We're going to go. I thought the reason mm-hmm. Scotty was right to send you was that when you go on the road, you get to have conversations off to the side, and you don't take that lightly. You talk to people, and it doesn't mean you get a gem every time, but you do get gems. They sometimes well, they just get comfortable with you, tell you how it really is, and yeah. for whatever reason, I think I must have an honest face because I've got so many people over the years have told me so much stuff, and they know that it, they're never going to get given up. Yeah. Uh, and I and I did in that. Game it's, too. It's awesome when you come in and you say something negative about the Utes or the Cougars. Or uh, it's usually Utes and Cougars because so much of the emotion is rivalry driven. It could be Jazz, but it's usually Utes and Cougars. And people go nuts about you saying it, and then it's like, well, man, if you knew who told them that, <laughs> yeah, like, that's like when the head coach and the assistant coaches are sitting around the table. This is what they think. These are the problems they're trying to figure out how to fix because they think if they don't fix them, they're going to get beat again. Uh huh. For sure. And then yeah. you say, well, this is a problem. And they're like, oh, you hate them. Like, this is literally the problem they're trying to solve. No problem tomorrow, man. I'm going to have my feet up. As the youth score touchdown after touchdown. Well, they scored a touchdown their first drive in like five games in a row, something like that. And so will Kyle take the ball if he wins the, the oh, coin toss again? Absolutely, yes. Show Why the faith in the offense, yeah. go down there. and If you're going to do it against Stanford, clearly you're going to do it against the U of A. Be interested to see how much they throw the ball and how much they try to get that portion of the game real confident. Because Oregon is pretty good defending the run, but they have had problems defending the pass. Statistically, 
Balance. Yeah. Got to have balance. Got to have balance. Mut- I <laughs> think you got to be a little better throwing the ball if you're going to beat Oregon. We'll see. If you try to run the ball through Oregon, I mean, you can run it at times, but... Run away from number five, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and if you're going to throw, you might want to roll away from him, too. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, so Greg Hansen hit on something. You want, to, uh, you want to underline this. Yeah, very much so. All right, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. We had David Locke on in the 8 o'clock hour. Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star. And uh, Greg basically said, yeah, Utah is going to roll. He thinks Utah is going to beat Oregon in uh, a week from tomorrow. I don't have any problem with that. And he thinks Utah is absolutely going to roll Arizona. He doesn't think Arizona's next quarterback is on the roster right now. they got a guy coming he thinks is going to be the guy, but he's not there yet. So yes, Servite's been a good program there. Yes, Servite has been. I've a never good, covered it. It's too, it was too far from where I lived, but I certainly. But they've been it. cranking out big time players for decades. Yeah, I so. think that's where the Pows went. I have to double check that. They had to go to Servite. Yep. Yeah. He does think Arizona's defense has improved to the point that it is it's decent. They're, they're fourth in the league, so that's improving. But they they can't score points. And they've only scored 20 points once this year in a 41-34 loss to Cal. And he pointed out that Cal was missing half its team and it still took until the fourth quarter for Arizona to score a touchdown, get to 10 points, and win the game. So the Utah defense should dominate. They pitched a shutout against Stanford in the first half. It was 38-0. And then second half, they gave up a couple scores. They ought, to, they ought to be dominating again this week. So he said something else you wanted to underline, aside from those points. He did. He said that he thought that... Morgan Scali was the best defensive coordinator in the league. Now, not so much to argue that point, but is he the next University of Utah football coach? Well, for a while, I thought 100% he was. Because Papa turned 62 the next week after uh, Sunday. By Papa, you mean Kyle Whittingham. Mm -hmm. I call him Papa. I believe that if Kyle retires in the next two years, Morgan Scali will be the next University of Utah head football coach. Why does the timeline matter? Multiple reasons. Because they're going to be good in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Which means, so if you're good, then you're more likely to promote a coordinator. Yeah. There's a chance they'd be better next year than they are this year. Yes, there is a chance. Now, some of that relates to competition and all that. Sure. Uh, and so, but... I and who stays and health. Kid. Yeah. If Devin Lloyd stayed, so, oh my gosh. And I, I don't think he would. I think <laughs> no, he'd, be, he's out of here. he'd be foolish. He's he, going to be a first round. He had to make that decision a year ago and he decided to come back. I don't think it's a decision now. He's gone. Yeah, he should be. Go go get that money for sure. Um, he's gonna be, is he going to be defensive player of the year? Right now I think he's going to be. I know you say Thibodeau, but I don't know that he's played enough. I think Thibodeau's a better player, but that takes nothing away from Devin Lloyd because right. Devin Lloyd, as I said, yeah. if you look at the picture of linebacker in the dictionary, it's going to be Devin Lloyd. <laughs> I mean, he's just a tremendous player, absolutely a tremendous player. No, you can't say enough and, good things and about him. We've both interviewed him. When he interviews with NFL teams, he's going to crush it. I mean, they're going to like what they see on the field, but when they sit across the table from him, uh, they're going to double down. Oh, yeah, and he should do the interview with no shirt on? Yes. <laughs> Probably he'll probably have a shirt. Because I've interviewed him a few times, you know, after practice, takes the pads off. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, this guy's got he's sculpted. Got, yeah, he's got everything you need. Uh, so 
Yeah, if, if Kyle retires in the next two years, I think it's going to be Morgan because the team will be good. So you'll have somebody, you'll have that momentum, and a lot of times that's what happens. You know, you don't go outside. If you got somebody at that point now, and then we're, we're looking at how long is a defensive coordinator. You know, we're getting uh, many years uh, and uh, heart and soul of the program and all that stuff, and nobody knows the program better than him. And also, I'm not sure, I don't have any information on this. This is just uh, a possibility. I don't know how long that Mark Harlan would be there. The national average is five years, so yeah. in a couple of years, he's right up against it. Right, and so then when you get a new AD, things change, right? Yes, they can, absolutely. They can well, have their guy. Some and things they, change. Right, but they can have. But as far as the coaching search, they might have their guy, and they want to bring in their guy. Yeah, there, there will be change. With every change in management, there is change to what degree or not remains to be seen. So I believe that that's going to happen. And you Ute fans, do you think that is the right thing to do? Another defensive guy. Do you consider Kalani a defensive guy? He was a defensive coordinator, but as a player, he was an offensive guy. I think he's a defensive guy, but I think what he does so very well, in fact, I know this, I have been told this. Delegate. Not, empower. Uh, it, yes, there you go. Empower. You like empower more than delegate. Much better. This is your thing. You do it. Here's what I want. Yeah. Now go do it. And, and you listen to Kalani, what he'll say, I don't care how we do it, as long as we do it. Score points. That's all he cares about. Score points. It doesn't matter. I think Kalani has philosophies of what he thinks is right, and I think you have to be smart in your offensive uh, attack. What are you able to do based on the recruits that you can get? It sounds good. I, I remember Dave Rose talking about, yeah, everybody says they want to run. Yep. But the amount of effort and energy and and commitment to running. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And he's 100% right about right. this. He's 100 The yeah. number of players who are willing to talk about it. Yeah. Great. It sounds good. Yeah, we're going to run. We're going to fast break. We're going to shoot the three, get up and down that floor, blah, 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 blah. Well, we're seeing in the Jazz transition, uh, defense is not very good. Well, you got to run back, man. And you got to dig deep, all that type of stuff, those cliches. And so it's much easier to talk about. Oh, when you run, if you run and you get a three-on-one, well, now going the other way, they got you four-on-two. So to your point... If you run down and get the numbers you want to get, you know you're exposed. Yeah, an NBA player, even if they take the ball out of the out of the out of the net, an NBA player can throw that ball up to half court like that. Yeah, I can remember playing intramurals at NAU. I played a lot of intramurals at NAU. The guys saying, "Man, we got to run." I said, "Dude, man, I'm gassed," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like 18 years old and the best yeah, shape I've ever been. Yeah, you you probably were. <laughs> the, the thing is, as soon as you get to college. You, you stop running lines. So I don't yeah. think your conditioning is what it was when you yeah, were maybe not. playing high school sports. Uh, maybe not. Uh, but, yeah, I can remember him saying, I said, nah, can we just let's slow it down a little bit here? Uh, and he was coaching. He was actually the coach of the team. He wasn't a player. Mm-hmm. He, had, he wanted to coach, and he didn't want to play. And he had some ailment or something. Mm-hmm. So he said, fine, you can coach the team So because he wanted to be a part of it. And that was great. So you got to be smart and tailoring the type of recruits that you can get. And I've spoken to Kalani about his philosophies of, on offense many times over on what he would do if he became a head coach, what he thought, particularly with the recruiting base that's available here in the state. 
And so, but now, uh, the great thing about him is he still is a defensive coach, but he's also an administrator, and he has he's empowered, which is the perfect word, Aaron Roderick. And Aaron Roderick has just done a phenomenal job. There's no doubt about it. They're winning ball games. It's all about winning ball games. You know, you can do this and that. You know, you look at Virginia's offense against BYU. That was great until the kid got hurt. But what did it amount to? It amounted to a loss. You know what I mean? So who cares? Fans don't really care. I mean, granted, Whittingham isn't running in a wide-open, uh, crazy style of offense. But at the same time, they're beating somebody 52-7. to and that's all that matters is how you how you win, and you know it was it was so cool back in when Lavelle Edwards was in charge because not too many teams were doing that, and that was fun. It was innovative. It was new. Well, a lot of teams do that to a good degree now, anyway, right? Throwing the ball is no big deal, and it's a necessity, but it also isn't uh, isolated or unique anymore. Uh, so you you need to be able to do that. So I think that that's what Kalani does. Uh, Kyle, you know, Ludwig has a, f- a good amount of, uh, what am I looking for? Autonomy. Yeah, that, that was the word. I was thinking of autocracy, but that's not it. <laughs> that's not what he has. No, was, no we don't want yeah. an autocrat running Right. Was, uh, autonomy was the word I was looking for. I had the first four letters. Uh, so, And I don't know what Morgan would do once he slides over into that next seat. You know, you don't, I can't say. Because uh, I've never even asked him about offense. Remember, I had one discussion with him of the hundreds of the discussions that I've had with him about offense. So I don't really know. But I do think that if Kyle retires in the next two years, and I'm not breaking news saying he's going to, so don't put on the Internet that I said he's going to retire in the next couple of years. I have my feelings and conversations about it, but he'll announce it when he announces it. I'm saying if he does in the next couple of years, I think Morgan Scally will be the head coach. And I'm perfectly fine with it. And obviously, I'm 100% biased, too. I don't have any... I'm, everyone has an agenda. If they tell you they're not biased, they're full of crap. <laughs> well, everyone's full of crap anyway. There you go. That's true also. <laughs> That's, You're right about that, too. If nothing else, just the to lies. one degree we, or another. Just the lies we tell ourselves. Yeah, there you go. That's that. That's true. So I, I think that would be the right move. Keep it going. Uh, and he's very good. I will say this. He's very good at identifying talent, too, and being able to project. He's got an eye for it. There's no doubt he's got an eye for it. I've talked to him about it. He's told me, I don't get those star systems in my face. I don't care about that crap. I see what I see. And, you know, uh, Eric Rowe, for instance, not a big-time this or that, but they targeted him out of Texas, and here we are. The kid's still in the NFL, is he not? Played last night for yeah, Miami. Yeah, Miami. Right, we're getting we're getting removed a number of years. He's got his. Uh, He's robing uh, out six years now. Seems like it. And they had him targeted from day one too. Day one, that was one of the most phenomenal things. Day one, I asked Kyle about him. Oh yeah, yeah, we got him there. Yeah, and then I asked, well, gosh, I'm shocked that I'm out there. I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, they're not telling you. Just go play. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so he ended fun. up being a great player for them and has been in the NFL for a number of years. And I think that was a scally identifiable player. So with that in mind, what do you think? I think it's the right move. Uh, this is year seven for Eric Rowe, actually. Not six. It's seven. If you're winning, you got to keep the culture going. Then he's the guy. The only thing, and I think the... I don't know that it would have happened anyway, but I think the Big 12 really makes it not likely, is the one thing I would wonder is about bringing Kalani back or trying to bring Kalani back. 
And but I don't think Harlan has any relationship with him. Right, but he's got head coaching experience and Well, if they double your money and you don't have to move very far, hey, come on. Who's saying no to that? Right. So there is a there is a risk in giving someone a head coaching job for the first time, no matter how good they've been as a coordinator, that doesn't always work. Washington, I guess, would be the current example that comes to mind. No, nothing always works. If it's a guarantee, then you wouldn't have a discussion. You would already do it. So I think most ADs would prefer to give it to a proven coach. But I think if a program is rolling, you want ties to the program that is rolling. You do not want to have to start over. And I think I've got another excellent reason. And good job by me. There's a hot air balloon out there. You see that? No. To the right. Oh, way over there. Yeah, it was behind the wall to me. Yes, I see it. You're right. You don't normally see those. See them St. George a lot. Floating over, uh, what did that be, the zoo or something? Or the U? Somewhere over there? Yeah, yeah. it's descending right now. Uh, another good reason is Scally, and I could be wrong on this, but my instincts tells me it wouldn't be a stepping stone job. No, you're probably right about that. And we know, you look at Arizona, bad hires. Now, they all got fired. They didn't go on to other jobs. But at the same time, you bring in somebody from the outside... You know, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it. Colorado, stepping stone job. How many years you give him Blake Anderson? Oh, three or four. Yeah. I mean, Craig He's Smith. He's catching everybody's eye. Yeah, Craig did three. Yeah. Did three and moved to the Pac-12. Yeah. And, and you could say and three or four. Neither of those guys are from here. You could say three or four is real fast, but look what happened to Colorado. Tucker did one. Yeah. Stepping stone. Gone. And... At Utah with Scally, he would tell them, I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. Okay. <laughs> Come on. It's I try to give you no reaction. I try to give you no reaction, but I feel like I failed and I still gave you too much. You found it emotionally satisfying. You're glad you did it and you'll do it again. Despite my best efforts, I'm an enabler. Yeah, I agree, but you know, at least it's a it's a non-serious consequential enabler. <laughs> yeah, right. Except we have to listen to you. Soon. You know, you're not the 28 year old still living at home and the parent thinking it's the right thing to do. I ain't naming names. You don't yuck, have yuck to. looking at me. You don't have to. <laughs> you know where you're going? I'm going anywhere. I think it was one time Ron Boone told me, I don't know if I should share this, but I'm too far along. He said, after the kids uh, graduate and all, you get a smaller house, so there's no room. <laughs> I've, I've had people tell me. I don't know if Booners told me that, but I've had people tell me that. They moved out. We downsized real quick before they changed their mind. I, I've definitely had people tell me that. Uh, yeah, so I'm not pointing anyone i mean yeah you never know what you're going to do until you're in that situation and i don't criticize anybody because one thing i've learned well certainly as a parent i'm the last guy to criticize anyone on anything ever for the rest of my life that's for sure and then also too i've also learned you don't know what you're going to do until you're faced with that whatever that situation might be you can talk a good game and but that's all it is that's so funny because my wife was just saying that the other night i said you know who else says that i'll bet you'll never guess She's like, I don't want to play that game. Just tell me. So, <laughs> so I told her, I said, PK. She goes, I never would have guessed. <laughs> well, that's why she didn't want to play the game. <laughs> she didn't want to play the game. But she thought you were smarter when she heard that. 
Yeah, that's that's a school of hard knocks there. You don't really know how it's going to you, you oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that sounds good. And, and you right. may mean it when you say it, and you may think you do it. And it goes both ways. You might be better in the clutch, and you might also look back and think, I never thought I would have screwed that up. And yet I did. For good sure. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I screwed it up. I agree. But it can't go the other way. It's not always a negative. No, you're right. Uh, and I'm waiting for that one positive. <laughs> <laughs> my mom had some conflict with her father-in-law. <laughs> her father-in-law? Yeah, my grandpa. Freddie? My dad's dad. Freddie's dad? My, my, my Freddie mom. Freddie J's old man, huh? My mom had conflict with my dad's dad. Wow. And, and Ooh, then do tell. She, I'm going to put my feet up. <laughs> no. And she, but she did say um, that when uh, my uncle died, he was awesome with my aunt, and when his wife, my grandmother, got Alzheimer's, he was awesome again. She thought he was probably a little, little too much of the tough guy and not enough on the caring side there. And she's like, man, back-to-back times late in his life? He crushed it. He was like spot on. And when she gave him a compliment, it was the real deal. She'd been critical long enough that her compliments carried some serious well, weight. Oh, good for Grandpa Ed. Yeah. Was that his name? It was, actually. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. <laughs> it was actually his middle name, but that's what he went by. He went by Ed. <laughs> that is sweet. His first name was actually Eric. Eric? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he went by Ed. Ed was I didn't even know that was his first name until uh Double E J. Until I was probably a teenager. And my grandmother was mad at him around me and dropped that. And I was like, Dad, I was like Oh, so it, and I got back home. Dad wasn't there. I got back home. Dad, uh, he said, was it Eric? I thought it was it. She goes, ah, she got mad at him, huh? <laughs> That's how Dad knew. He'd heard it growing oh, up. Oh, yeah. The neighbor girl, she's in her 20s now, but I know her middle name. She's the only one I know the middle name in the neighborhood because they'd, uh, the parents, when they'd get mad at her, would always they say They dropped the middle name, yeah. Yeah, yeah whenever my grandmother got mad at my grandfather. She got three dropped. brothers. I have no idea what their middle names he are. He went by the middle name, and she, <laughs> she dropped the first name. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, David Locke on the Jazz. What went wrong with the Jazz and the loss to Indiana? A couple of big-picture Things that have been a problem since the playoffs last year, the lock thinks will continue to be challenges the Jazz face. Because why, PK? It's a copycat league. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. Brogdon from the foul line, got the bounce off the front of the rim. Down the left side, Brogdon off the glass, right-hand score to foul. Rudy rolls, catches at the rim, Turner blocked it from behind. The NBA's shot-blocking leader, McConnell, through the edge. Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner in a fight. Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner in a fight. They're tied up wrestling. They've been divided by security. Security is sprinted over to the side. Turner blocked Gobert and they went down. Turner felt as though Rudy had caught him or pulled him down. And then after that, and Donovan is hot. Donovan's being held back by security and blocked by two officials. 
So there's a brawl, or more likely, a big old pushing, shoving match. I would have loved Jersey to see that tugging. continue. I know, right? And where was he going to go? I want two falls out of three. Let's go. Give me some WWE. Because they both are smart enough to know I can't close these things. No. So I'm going to wrestle you. Yes. Where are we go going? Gobert said after the game, we know we can't fight. We know that. But let's meet outside. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's not televised. I want it televised. I want two falls out of three. Three falls out of five. Let's go. I'm telling you, the undercard to uh, Darren Williams, Frank Gore, and Vice Kahema and Jose Canseco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. So David Locke came on this morning and talked about some of the issues you're seeing now are a continuation of what you saw in the playoffs. Dallas was in the playoffs playing the Clippers, thought they were going to win. They were already prepping to play the Jazz. Rick Carlisle and his assistants were all geared up for that. And so you can trace the Maverick pedigree to the Pacers and the Magic. And David says there's going to be more of this. All right, but Quinn Snyder, I thought he's one of the best coaches in the league. Right, so what is his counter going to be? That's up to him. And sitting right here as not one of the best coaches in the league. They've Speak for yourself. got to be matchups. Well, then you can correct me. There have got to be <laughs> matchups. There's 25 potential matchups. And I get that Whiteside or Gobert is in the game, and it's not going to be them taking guys off the dribble. So that leaves you 20 potential matchups and one of your other four guys. If they're going to switch everything, there's got to be a guy that you just set multiple t- screens until you get the defender you want, and then you go with that guy. You figure out who's the weakest link on the floor. We run screens until they switch that guy onto the guy we want. Or they take and him may- out. May- right, exactly. And then who's the next weakest link? And we go with that guy. It's a, we've been told forever it's a league full of matchups. There's got to be a matchup that works. Well, I also think that uh, let's stop with the two of 13s, too. That would be good. And then the more you reduce those. And they have been a good rebounding team, and they did not bring the energy and the intensity in last night's game, so they were not a good rebounding team last night. They got hammered. Now, it's an outlier. I mean, you can look at the stats. This isn't something that's been happening them night in and night out. Their numbers are way too good this season. Locke's point more was that actually the rebounding's been so good, it's provided extra possessions, and it has covered up their lack of three-point shooting. But at some point, they're going to have to make threes. They're going to have to make threes. They're going to, yes. Because the way their offense works, if they shoot 33% as a team, that's not good enough. Now, the biggest problem, numerically, is Clarkson shooting 23%, but there's really only two guys who are shooting it well. There's only two guys over 33%. Right now, that's Mike Conley. And that's Joe Ingles. And they're shooting nearly identical numbers. They're a little off, but it's like 42 and 43%. So those two guys are shooting it. After that, Royce is struggling. Donovan's struggling. Jordan Clarkson's struggling. Big time. Well, you need Bogdanovich because you I don't think, bogey, I don't bogey, think I left him Royce out. is ever going to get enough attempts to where you can get a true barometer. And not enough attempts to really sink it. Yeah, be in some type of flow. Bogey's going to shoot five a game. Donovan is shooting ten a that. game. I'm fine with but that. But both those guys are loitering in that 32 33% range, and you and I both think they're going to do much better than that. But at what point? The thing that I like about Bogdanovich is that he's willing to take the ball to the hole a little bit more, and I would like to see Clarkson do that <coughs> until the shot comes back. 
But at the same time, man, I don't want to put any kind of muzzle on him either. He's just the potential. It's right now. It's what it is. It's potential. It's not actuality, but it's just, it's there, and it is. It's a it's a difference maker. So it, it it's it's a delicate balance that Quinn Snyder and his guys have to do with with Clarkson. And he is still passing a little bit. He had three assists. Yeah. It's I think fascinating to me how they have to deal with this. Yeah. Because he does have to shoot it. But could you not shoot it so much when you're struggling so much? From distance. I do think when he drives, and there are nights, it seems he's more dialed into this than other nights, when he drives and the defense does collapse on him, he can be a good passer off the bounce. And talked to Booner about this multiple times. Oh, everybody he, collapses on him, yeah. He feels like the last skill most guys had coming to the NBA, and it's a little different now because there's so much more emphasis on ball handling the last 10 years. Um, but going back years, Booner always feels like there's guys who can't pass, there's guys who can't pass, but passing off the dribble is often one of the last things guys add. He's got that. He's done it. And there are nights he gets the five or six assists. And so maybe that's the thing is like, don't tell him not to shoot, because that's a bad message to put in a shooter's brain. But tell him, you're a good teammate, and we really need you to get some of these other shooters going. So when you drive and get that second guy, if you can find a guy on the perimeter and help us get him going, and maybe you approach it as a positive okay, instead sure, yeah. of a negative. And also work, he works his pivot foot so well that it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, he's already picked up his dribble. I do wonder on some of these shots when he's shooting the floaters if he gets torn and is a little indecisive about whether he wants to drop it straight into the hoop or whether he wants to go glass. Okay, well then you need I to tell him to go out. glass. I know, but sometimes when he misses these shots off the back of the rim, I'm thinking, I wonder if he just changed his mind right as well, he let don't that do go. That. Don't do that because you're guaranteed to fail at a high percentage. You can't if you're sending yourself mixed messages, and I'm only speaking from experience. Oh, me too. Not necessarily the takeaway, but the downswing. Right. I've <laughs> I've changed my mind, and because of it, thrown the ball off the back of the rim. I know exactly why I just messed that shot up. Uh, I, that's the good thing about Mike is that he seems to know what he's going to be doing almost all the time. He's very. It doesn't seem like there's any indecisive. They did lose with him playing. They are now 8-2 uh, and two when he plays, 0-2 oh, when he doesn't. With him out there, I did wonder at halftime, it's like, that wasn't great, but they've had a lot of big third quarters this year. There's plenty of time. They got Conley. He often comes out hot at the start of the third quarter. Actually got a big run out of Gobert late in the quarter, but they never really made the move. They did not know, and then then the little scuffle thing, and then it was over. Yeah, uh, and and give credit to the other guys, man. They were hitting some big shots. They were, you know. And also, I brought and up they, the they odds. Had confidence. I brought up the odds of any jazz players being suspended for the next game, and you dismissed it. You poo pooed it. Well, yeah, but I don't know what the league is thinking. I'm just speaking from my perspective. Uh, okay, we've got you. In a sense, you want that. You want what? You want the feistiness. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, I want guys to be in it. And so because they're in it, sometimes that's going to happen. Let's not make a big deal. That's what I'm saying. Rushing 42 security guys out there just seems like it's like storming the field. We keep hearing, well, one of the uh, problems of storming the field is somebody's going to see somebody come up to them and and they're going to punch them. You know what I mean? Because they're going to get in their face. And, And you wonder... If some security guy, who was it? Didn't some somebody's personal security get physical with somebody a while back? 
And that pissed That does off. seem vaguely familiar, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Was it Durant's personal security or somebody? Might have been, I actually. Right. I think you are right, yeah. And I don't remember who it was or what it was over. Right. But you're right, yeah. Because it's already inflamed. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen Mitchell that irate during a game. He kept going. Yeah, it's like... He did keep going. I, I didn't understand it, but so be it. Uh, well, you can't hear what's being said. And you don't know what was said four minutes earlier. Every time there's one of these right, deals, it, it's like, who started Well, it? you don't know. It started... It may have started in a different game. Yeah, I was going to say months ago. Right. It yeah. could have started in a different game and, and be carried over. What was it... Uh, uh, Hunter Strickland of the Giants threw at Bryce Harper three years later. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I took your name and I have not paid you back. He hit yet. a home run uh, when Strickland was with Washington. And finally! Or something like that, or with Philadelphia, I think it was. Uh, and yeah, so and like three years later on Memorial Day, a few years, that's when Bryce, remember, he ran out and took his helmet off. And he was like going to chuck it, and you could see him in his eyes. Oh, I can't chuck it right at him. So he's kind of chucked it to the right. Threw it right into the ground. (laughs) Yeah. And then we find out that Strickland was ticked because uh, Harper stood there on a majestic home run years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, who started it? Come on. It started a while ago. You don't know what was said. You you never know. I mean, you could see who pushed first. And in this case, Rudy thought he was fouled, and then he grabbed his jersey and pulled him to the ground. He did. Which live I missed, but the replay was very clear. It it certainly was on the replay. I did not see it live, but when I saw the replay, it was obvious. uh, Turner bumped him. I mean, you're going to get that stuff. I mean... Do we need to make a big deal about it? Nobody was hurt. Nobody took a swing. And and everybody, the the adrenaline in the arena goes through the roof. People love that stuff. That's what I'm saying. Your guys are out there caring. They care. They're they're mad. They're losing. They're frustrated. Whether it's the refs or the thing earlier in the day, I whatever, man. It's everything. And really, the the Jokic Morris thing. That was much nastier, by the way. It was. And that's, although I think watching this, there's a chance it can get suspended. I have, since you were saying no, I've, I've been thinking about Jokic. I thought, yeah, I thought he was going to get two and Morris was going to get one. Instead, Jokic got one and Morris got none. So. So be it. Yeah, I'm guessing then probably not. Yeah. Maybe fine. I mean, yeah, fine. Sure. Fine. 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 But they play. Now the question is Saturday, does Butler play? Well, I bet he's got an injury, so that's another right. story. Man, I mean, these people are paying big money to go see these guys play. What, wasn't it one year Jordan got in a fight the game before coming to Salt Lake? And then he didn't play? Yeah. Yeah, help me out, Jazz fans. Didn't that happen, like, in the 90s? Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Yeah. It was, like, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and the Bulls were coming to town oh, on the really? Friday after, something like that. And he was suspended because he took a... He took I could a, Google it to try to find it, but if you put in Michael Jordan suspended, you're going to get all the conspiracy theories about why he was playing baseball in uh, Birmingham. <laughs> he loved the game. No, okay. <laughs> he did. That part's true. It's not the reason, but it's true. If you believe the conspiracy theorists. There's one I just found that he was fined and suspended after... Uh, after bumping an NBA official in a yeah. triple overtime loss in Salt Lake City. Oh, so it was here that he did it. Yeah, he, got, he so that's in... Oh, the Feb- triple overtime? We Fe- weren't here yet. February of 1992 is when this yeah, happened. Yeah, we weren't here yet. I heard about that game. 
Oh my gosh! Triple overtime bumps in official. Yeah. He was fine. They came $5, in the next year. Everybody was talking. Maybe they about were going to go play the no Lakers idea. the next, and that's where I was Maybe or something. I, I just remember it. Uh, anyway, if I would have bought tickets to that game and MJ's not playing, I don't think anybody did anything to warn it. The only thing I would say on Joe, don't be so. Uh, you don't have such velocity and shoving referee. Yeah, in. there was no slow mo Joe changing ends yeah. there. He was moving because Ed, the ref, was Ed Malloy. doing his job, and at mm-hmm. no point was he making any situation worse. Nope. And Joe came flying. Yeah, that I thought that was out of character, and I was I think whoa. There's a shot where he turns around and Ooh. from that Joe. Joe spins around. He's the camera from the far end, not the end where it all happened, but from the far end that Joe came from uh-huh. and you. ran so many feet. And so Joe's got his back to that camera, and he turns around, and he's got a look on his face, and we can ask him when he comes on. But I wondered if that was the moment that he was processing, oh, did you see what I just did? I'm going to get in trouble for that. I'm going to run. I'm going to find, and I'm going to hear about that when I get home. Because he talked about how he was told to stop getting teased. His wife yeah, told he him, leads the team knock, ejections knock now, doesn't off. he? He does. <laughs> That's two. Yeah, geez, Joe. Geez, two what out is of that, 12? five ejections now in 12 games? Yeah. For the team? Is yeah. Because right. after Joe got kicked out, somebody else did, and Donovan made the... Whiteside. Oh, was it Hassan? Didn't he, didn't he scramble with somebody? He got a technical. He never got, he didn't Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so there was, after Joe, someone else got kicked out for some reason, and I'm blanking on what it is now. But Donovan referenced it in his post game after the game and was funny Maybe about it. Maybe it was Hassan. Yeah, I thought he got run. He did get run. You're right. No, he did. It's toward the end of the game. Yeah, it was late, late in the game. All right, anything else we covered in this uh, nah, that you want to talk about? No, nah, I'm going to get ejected right now. If I don't, you are? If I don't be quiet. The uh, Cougars are playing San Diego State tonight. Marriott Center basketball, BYU TV, 7 o'clock. I'm going to watch that game. High school football triple header. I'm going to watch all three of them. State championship 4A game. State Ridgeline. championship. Nothing like a state championship. Ridgeline trying to go undefeated. Ridgeline. 11 a.m. I never even heard of Ridgeline up until in, you said it earlier. Up, up in Cache County. It's a relatively new school. They've been open four or five years, something like that. As long as my Chargers win, man. Corner Canyon at 2.30 against Weber. I put 500 on them. Sky Ridge and Lone Peak at 6. Nah, I bet the Weber guys. <laughs> How did the Dolphins beat the Ravens? What happened? Baltimore. Well, a couple of big plays on offense, uh, miscommunication, and then a big fumble return. And but the that, Ravens did nothing. That was a shocker, yeah. The Ravens did nothing on offense. Fourth quarter touchdown late. They lose 22-10. All right, Chiefs and Raiders. Here on the Zone Sports Network, Sunday night, it's a primetime game. Your feedback is coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The reason the pitcher retaliated three years later is because it's baseball. And you sit and stand around and do nothing for so many hours. What else could happen but fester grudges? Yeah. And they wear pajamas. And it's the hardest thing to do in sport. Hit that ball. Moving at 90-plus miles an hour. Round bet, round Not ball. even straight. Right. Von Zip tweets at us. Von Zip, cranberries and stuffing addict. Why did the Jazz lose? Low effort and urgency. Indiana won all the hustle effort categories. 
and won them big. Meanwhile, Utah's whining to the officials, who were horrid, by the way. There are going to be some ugly confrontations this season league-wide if they don't figure it out. But the refs did not lose this game for the Jazz. Well, I think Mitchell said that himself. Yes, he was talking about the rebounding early in the game. And if if you want to look at effort hustle categories, I think that's the one you have to circle, underline, highlight with the yellow yellow pen. It's just that I wouldn't get caught up in the refereeing in the moment. When Mitchell's afterward, the game's over, he's talking about it, he's, he's articulating his feelings about the subject, not just individually this particular game, but he's going big picture. And then he says, I want to make sure that you don't mistake them saying that's why we lost this game. I support that 100%. What I don't support, and I'm not singling him out by any stretch, is the individual whining about a no call during the game. You, you, if they were some distractions because of some other stuff going on, if you want to buy that line, if you do, fine, then I could easily make a case, well, if you're whining to the referees, you're distracted in the actual game. I think that what you're saying has been said by people much closer to the team than the media. I think multiple coaches have said that to multiple players. And when I brought that up, and, well, and actually the problem where the guy drives the hoop, thinks he's going to get the foul, and falls to the ground, now it's five on four going the other way. How big a problem is that? And David Locke says, well, the Jazz are 28th in transition defense, five on five. So I'm assuming when they're five on four, they're 30th. They got to iron out the transition defense. They can't focus on the refs, even if the refs are having the worst night they've ever had. Yeah, let the coach yourself, do that. Leaving yourself five on four isn't going to help anything. And if you're really mad at the Pacers, if you're irritated with the way they're playing, the only revenge is to beat them. Everything else, blah, blah, blah. They go back to the locker room and celebrate the win. Uh, they bounce you, you out can, of the place all happy and get on the plane. the tires on the bus. Yeah, but we don't talk about that on the air. You know, there's other things you can do. I see how it went when somebody came into Thunderbird High in one yak. You know, maybe. We see, I think we see what happened. Go over to the hotel and, and uh, spin in room service before it gets delivered. There's ways. Win the game. That's they've the now biggest. lost three out of four. And they've lost uh, two of them to teams with losing cr- records. It, it, we're, we're now in crisis situation. Yes! Crisis! I like it! <laughs> crisis! 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. break I, I probably would have eliminated the pounding. But let, yeah, let's see what they you got You know what, now. though? It's hard to beat a team twice in one week. Well, that bodes well. And the Heat you just know, won you, last but week. But you only say that when it's a negative. You never say it when it's a positive. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break with tradition. <laughs> I'm going to bring that up. There is some truth to that. I see it happen all the time. I see teams around the league, and I see that happen. There is some truth to that, so the Jazz ought to cash in on that truth, especially if Jimmy Butler is still sidelined. Play well. I still go what I've said. I've been saying it all season. I'm going to keep saying it. Maybe I'll change my mind. But it's, it's all about the Jazz. It's not about the opponent. They do what they're capable of doing. They're, They'll win way more than they lose. Yeah. Because they're a good team. Right. That's what the bottom line is. I was discouraged in the moment, but the NBA season is all about moments until you get to the postseason. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Jake, Ben. I see them. They're right there. They are right outside the door, ready to go, ready to talk jazz basketball. And on a football Friday, all the games coming up, college and pro this weekend. They will do that next. Stay with us.